What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 141 presented by the Bar Room Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am super stoked to be here with you today. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he's rocking a sick baby Yoda shirt. What's with the Grogu shirt, dude? What's wrong with Grogu? No, I'm saying, like, I just called it sick. Um, It says I'm all ears. I'm listening. Ah! I wanted to be ready, and, you know, I got to listen. You always got a good coordinated outfit. You got the green (laughs) Milwaukee Bucks hat to go with the Grogu t-shirt that has a a punny little saying on it. That's awesome. You look good, Frank. I appreciate that. And our show colors today are green. Ah! (laughs) Love that. I I love love matching. Yes, you do. You do. I I like matching too. Like I, I don't do it well often, but like I when I it. when I look at you and I see you matching, I'm like, oh, Frankie's looking good today. I would say I coordinate myself matching like at least a hat, probably eighty five percent of the time. Interesting. G thinks Very. ninety, but yeah, right around there. A lot 90. of ninety. I, I I'm kind of with G. I think it might be ninety. Very rare will you see an off-colored hat with something I'm wearing. People be like, Frank, the Cubs are playing in the World Series tonight. Why aren't you wearing a Cubs hat? Oh, my shirt's purple. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that would probably be the 10% where I did wear something off-color. Yeah, yeah. If your team's playing in a major game and your shirt just happens to not be matching. But, um, hell yeah, we got some funny comments. Tom said, except for your socks. My socks are matching today. I know I don't match my socks a lot. Um, people probably think that's crazy, but I'm wearing matching Harry Potter socks today. I got the hot, they're white and they have the Hogwarts logo. Katie is super stoked that when we go see the New Jersey Devils play the Philadelphia Flyers in New Jersey early in 2024, it will be the Jonas Brothers performing, uh, during the second intermission, I believe. And before the game, I believe, uh, what's up, Skokes? Um, the Jersey Boys. Oh, That makes sense. It, 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 both bands make sense. Yeah. The Jonas Brothers, they're Devils fans. They, it's funny, actually. I think Joe and Nick, or maybe just Nick, one of them, were at the one Devils game I've ever been to. I've been to one Devils game at the Rock, and Joe Jonas, one of the Jonas Brothers, were there. They showed them on the Jumbotron. All the girls went ballistic. Like a huge Jonas Brothers fan here, though. I uh-huh. hope they play the Waffle House song. That's um, always fun. A little update for everybody that's watching. Uh, if you tuned in the last week, you know I was having some issues. All the issues are fixed. We're good to go. <gasps> Technology zero. Frank one. It Let's was uh, it was very aggravating. Glad I got that all situated. However, I am noticing VP, you're a little choppy every once in a while. Uh oh. Um, we'll just keep an eye on that. It's not really hindering yeah. the show at all because I could still hear you when your picture's not moving. But, um. Yeah, everything's good. We're good to go. Hopefully this is a – I'm in a better mood than I was last week. So, yeah. So, first off, Travis says, what's up, boys? Time for my favorite show. We appreciate that very much. Um, oh, the one Jonas brother I didn't name, Kevin, is the one that actually was at the game. So, that you just know. goes to show how dumb I am. But she says they're Oilers fans. I Really? Huh. And Rick McDavid. Are they Canadian? Or are they? I thought they were no, from New Jersey. No, no, they're not. They're not Canadian. They're from I the thought, United States. I thought they were from. I thought they were from the United States. I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah, they're from Arizona. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. Did you know there's a fourth brother? Oh, that that poor guy. 
Um, he actually, it's really funny. His name's Frankie, Frankie Jonas. Well, of course it is. Um, you got Frankie and Joey and Nick and then Kevin. And there's this show you watch called Claim to Fame, and it's a bunch of people on the show. It's like Big Brother, but you don't get, you don't really get voted out, but you do lose one person each week because they have to guess who you're related to, what celebrity. It's like who's their claim to fame. And Frankie Jonas hosts it with Kevin Jonas. That's funny. Because it's like the hosts have a claim to fame. That's funny. So, uh, yeah, Katie said Frankie. She knows Frankie Jonas. I mean, yeah, he got the short under the stick. Dude's probably in, like, IT or something. Yeah. (laughs) While these guys are are touring the world, this guy's in IT. But, no, I like Frankie Jonas. He's actually really funny. That's hilarious. Well, shout out to Frankie Jonas. They are from – they were born in Arizona, but they moved and were raised in New Jersey is what I just read on Wikipedia, which is always right. Um, uh, Oilers fans. It's a little weird. I'm trying to figure out like why. Coyotes are devils, you would think, right? Like you grew up in Arizona, or you were born in Arizona, you moved to New Jersey. I mean, come on, Oilers. It's just yeah. weird. They got to have some lineage there, right? I I would think so. They posted that picture today, though, of um the Devils announcing that it was going to be the Jonas Brothers, and it was the four, the three of them with Devils jerseys, with the number twenty four, which. Um, is going to be the year that they perform at the stadium series. So yeah, it all makes cool. sense. But I like the Jonas Brothers. It does make – yeah, I do too. I'm excited. I To see them live will be really, really cool. Uh, it will be Katie's second consecutive year. Excuse me, I can't speak. Wow. Katie's second consecutive year seeing the Jonas Brothers. She was at the concert um, over the summer. That's incredible. Frank, before we get into talking hockey, though, I wanted to ask your opinion on something, and then I wanted to give you one trivia question. Okay. You know Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, right? You're a fan? You're a fan? Very much so. Big fan, right? Yep. Do you agree that each shape of a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, is it has a little bit of a different taste? The peanut butter to chocolate ratio is just a little bit different on each one. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the eggs, the trees, the um, pumpkins, and then, of course, the traditional cup. Okay. Of those four, which is your favorite? Pump. Wait, say it again. Pumpkin. The cup. pumpkin Christmas tree egg cup. Not your favorite shape. I think we'd all agree the Christmas tree would be our favorite shape, either that or the pumpkin. But our favorite in terms of when you put it in your mouth, it makes you feel the most delightful. Pumpkin. Really? Pumpkin Christmas tree. Yeah, I think the pumpkin. I voted the egg. The egg is second. I think my my only reason for putting the egg is I believe that the egg has the most peanut butter out of the four options. And I love the peanut butter in Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. See, I thought the pumpkin did, but maybe it is the egg that has the most peanut butter. Maybe it is the pumpkin. Maybe our opinions are so based on just one-off times having them over the years where we need to try all four together. That's tough. What do you mean that's tough? Because you're not going to find the pumpkin by the egg in the same time of year. Wow, that's a good point. And then by the time you save the pumpkin for Easter, it's like it's not the same. It's you know, it's not fresh. It's okay. So what we could do is we'll start this in January. Unless you just order it off Amazon and hope we, they're fresh. We could do that too. But I think even if we just eat them throughout the year and take notes on them 
and just try to remember as best as we can what we thought of it. And I think we'd get a pretty accurate opinion. Yeah, I'm sure. You'd get what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. But going into it blind, I would have... But the pumpkin has a lot of peanut butter. But is, is the pumpkin just the egg with a little thing sticking out? So is it essentially like, you know, the same thing? Yeah. They're relatively similar in shape. Yeah. All right, my trivia question. Okay. What is more far east, Atlanta or Detroit? Because you're asking, I'm going to go Detroit. But you would think it's Atlanta. You would think it's Atlanta. And then you look at a map and you're like. Then again, it's like more far south. Atlanta's really south. Yeah, but Atlanta's considered like they, a lot of people would consider Atlanta like the southeast. Like the, the Southeastern Conference Championship is played in Atlanta. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. it's just uh, when I saw that I was like cra- I thought it was crazy and then the other one was what's more far west Los Angeles or Reno Nevada well that's Los Angeles it's not it's Reno. Is it not? Los- really? the bottom half of California yeah I'm not good with geography. firmly comes under um yeah, Nevada. I, I thought Los Angeles was near the top no Los Angeles is Southern California I'm bad with geography yeah so like, Cal- really yeah. Um, He's like looking. Uh... So the Devils play the Bruins tonight, and the Devils logo is currently being covered, or the Bruins <laughs> logo is currently being covered on the couch by a huge Devils logo. Was so, that on purpose? Oh yeah, made major on purpose. <laughs> so screw the Bruins. We'll get into that in just a little bit, though. But Frank, I think it is time we finally move into hockey. In period number one. BP caught me off guard again. <laughs> Welcome to period one, Frank. Last night was the Connor Bowl. The Connor Bowl. Oilers versus Blackhawks. Connor McDavid took the ice against Connor Bedard for the first time in NHL history. What were your thoughts going in? What did you think of the game? Were you hyped? <laughs> what were your thoughts? Well, it wouldn't have been a Connor Bowl if it wasn't being broadcasted on ESPN. Bucci. So we could officially welcome everybody. To the Connorverse. None other than Connor Bedard, who opened up the scoring in the game by scoring just a little over three minutes into the game. In that moment, something to me felt different. It felt like we were truly in a new era where these two are going to be battling each other for the next decade, going back and forth, throwing punches at one another. And then from there, it was just really downhill for Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks. And then I got kind of sad watching it. And the Edmonton Oilers continued their extremely hot play. They took over the game. Connor McDavid racked up a couple assists. Leon Dreisaitl scored a goal. And everything was the Oilers for the rest of the game. There were some bad penalties, too, taken by the Blackhawks that bet them in the butt once. Could have been in the butt a bit more, but it didn't. They were lucky for that. But, you know, something I noticed throughout this game is the Oilers were way too quick for this Blackhawks team. They were just skating circles around this team. Um, I would love to see what this matchup looks like in a couple of years because the Blackhawks are currently developing a very talented, young, and fast team. And in a couple of years when the Oilers team gets a bit slower and the Hawks are more developed and faster, I think things will look a lot differently. But 
in the words of the players of the Oilers, and I know, was it Bucci announcing it? I couldn't tell. I'm yes. pretty sure. Because there's another guy who sounds like Bucci. It was Bucci and Ray Ferraro. I thought it was Bucci, but um, Bucci also mentioned this, that they the Oilers said it's Stanley Cup or bust this year. Those weren't media's words. Those are the Edmonton Oilers players' words in the locker room. It's Stanley Cup or bust. And now they've won eight straight. Stuart Skinner's now won seven straight games, and everything seems to be clicking every, at the moment. And everything seemed to really change after their coaching change. Now, the Blackhawks, on the other hand, they're moving in the opposite direction. They're 3-6-1 and one in their last 10 games, but they still have a lot to learn. Bedard is still learning the ins and outs of the NHL, and I noticed that Connor Bedard, you know, he has his own special shot. That goal he scored, he scored a very similar goal like last week. I, I like. I think it's going to be his shot. I think eventually they might like phrase it as like the Connor shot or whatever. I don't know something along those lines. But I think it was on NHL Network or something. Devin Dubnik did a breakdown of this same shot that scored a goal. And I know you said when we talked about Bedard that he invented a new way to score. And I don't know if this is that, if everybody was referring to, but he takes the puck, and when he's got the puck in front of him, the goalie is lined up chest chest in front of the puck to make the save. Well, Connor Bedard takes the puck about three or four feet to the right of him and then shoots it immediately, but the way it comes off the stick is it's so fast makes it nearly impossible to stop, goes over the goalie's left shoulder, and it's in nearly almost every time. It's extremely hard to stop. So it's going to be interesting to see over the years how goalies adapt to this type of shot. I love that you brought that up. That is exactly what I meant when I said he invented a new way to shoot because, like, Austin Matthews does it too, and they're, they're really the only ones who kind of they change the trajectory of the shot Mm-hmm. as they're shooting it. No other player can do it without stick handling. It's crazy. Patrick Kane does it. He stick handles, and it, it throws goalies off, right. but not quite like Connor Bedard throws goalies off. And so Austin Matthews, he brings his hands together when he shoots. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a player do that to him. Ovechkin didn't do it. Stamkos didn't do it. Talk about the great goal scorers of all time that I, I've witnessed. Bedard's different, though. He, like... Like you said, he like moves the puck while he's shooting it, so the goalie's off angle now. And goalies are so they are so trained to base everything on positioning that like if you got a guy like Bedard doing stuff like that, insane. He's just gonna score goals all the time. Um, he's 18 years old. He's got eight, uh, 12 goals. Um, Patrick Kane had 21 goals his rookie year. Jack Hughes had 11. And Jack Hughes is on pace for 129 points right now. And you just can't adapt to that type of play. Exactly. Exactly. Like for the next year or two, it's not going to be easy to stop. It's unreal. Yeah. And so, so like, like Kane and like Hughes, the great players that came before him, they got better as the years moved along. Mm -hmm. Connor Bedard, by the time he's 26, 27, 28 years old, I said 70 goals is a possibility at least once in his career. I still firmly believe that. Um, The shot is unreal. I want to give some love to Alex Vlasic. Alex Vlasic made an outstanding stretch pass to find Connor Bedard for that little bit of time. And again, as the Blackhawks get better, 
and there are more people making plays like that around Connor Bedard. Imagine if they get to a point where five of the six defensemen on the team can make that type of pass. And no matter what, every single time he's on the ice, he has those types of people helping him make plays. The sky is going to be the limit for Connor Bedard. He's going to be dangerous on basically every shift of his career. Now, he's not going to score on every single shift of his career. Nobody does. But, you know, if there we get to a point where Connor Bedard score in every other game or, you know, over every other game, like two out of three games, you know, something along those lines, he he's going to be like one of these all-time great players for the Blackhawks, and it was on full display yesterday. I'm actually going to shed some light for Blackhawks fans. I thought the game yesterday – was a very good road game played by the Blackhawks. I really did. I was watching it and mm-hmm. I was like, they're they're not really able to contain Edmonton's speed and speed on the outside, but the way they're kind of like eating up the middle of the ice and making things hard for the Oilers in the neutral zone, and Connor Bedard's dangerous every single time he's on the ice offensively. They're playing a good road team or a good road game, and they just don't have the firepower that Edmonton has and Edmonton's hot right now. I think that plays into it too. Um, The Blackhawks don't have this firepower that the Oilers do. And the Oilers were able to make an extra player too. And that was the difference in the game. It took a minute there for the Oilers to break away from the, if you can even consider break them, they got a power play goal late from Hyman and that made it four one. It was a 3-1 game for like it was within striking distance for the Blackhawks the whole time. And that's happened a lot this year where teams have struggled to break away. Yeah. And, and they have the worst record in the NHL and we're saying that. Mm-hmm. So imagine if Luke Richardson is able to keep this style of play going but Connor Bedard develops more and they get him a good winger. Oh, what if we bring Macklin Celebrini into town? Or what if they bring Cole Eiserman in? Or one of these other guys. This is a heavy defenseman draft coming up here. It's probably going to be, you know, when we get to that point where we start digesting these prospects, we'll probably get there around February. Well, the World Juniors are coming up, so it actually might not start um, farther than you think. But, um, you know, just as this team gets better mm-hmm. and they, maybe they sign a big free agent, the the sky is going to be the limit for them. I, I liked the way the Hawks played yesterday. Um Again, they couldn't break away. Oilers were a little too fast. I, I want to give props. I did mention him, Zach Hyman. What a player he's become, huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, not everybody can play with Connor McDavid the way that he does. There's a reason he's the first one to like help McDavid like really elevate into like Wayne Gretzky level greatness in terms of single season play. Um, He's smart, he's tenacious, and he's accepted his role and he's executing it. And because of that, he gets 85 to 90 points a season playing alongside the best player ever or best mm-hmm. player in the world at minimum. Um, I, I loved his power play goal yesterday. He just knows where to go all the time. And credit to him. And, you know, going back to Connor McDavid or Connor Bedard, you know he's on a 10-game road point. He's got a 10-game road point streak going on. Which is crazy because the other he, other team could play their best players against him on the road. I think he loves hearing it from the fans, like against them. I think he likes being like that underdog type guy. Yeah. Like, oh, you could give me your shit. They don't really boo when he has the pucks, but if they're like, if you want to boo or do stuff when I have the pucks, like, that's not going to phase me. I'll come into your house and score on your ice. Oh, yeah, I agree. And like I said, who, who in terms of forwards, now that Halsey's out, and Andreas Athanasiu's been out. 
I mean, you got a couple nice forwards that are dangerous if you leave them. Reichel, Radish, um, you know, there are some forwards that are Donato. They could make plays here and there. But who's a threat every single time on the ice besides <laughs> Connor Bedard on the Blackhawks? No, no one. one. No one. So if you're if you're a team playing against them at home, you should be able to put your like top pair against Connor Bedard every single time he's out there and not have a single issue, yet he don't care. He's got a point on the road 10 straight games. I also heard some rumblings about the Blackhawks being, you know, a little just disappointed in Reichel's play this season um, and that there's a couple options potentially sending him back to AHL or uh, there was something else I don't remember. Tom was telling me before we left today to come do the show. Um, but, yeah, the, I mean, apparently, like, there's stuff going on with Reichel because, like, he hasn't been performing Not that well. And he hasn't been performing, like, how he should be in my eyes. Like, I don't expect him to be Connor Bedard and have, like, 26 points or whatever he's got. But he's played more games in the NHL smally than Connor Bedard, I think, by, like, a a, a little bit. Yeah, but, um, like 20 games, if that. Yeah, but he should be performing more than what he is now. And the Blackhawks see this. They notice that. And there might be some changes with Lucas Reichel going forward. Like, they're not going to trade him, obviously, but they just want him to be better. They want to better him. And uh, if that means sending him down to Rockford for a little bit, that might be the case. So right now on dailyfaceoff.com, which has their most recent game, you could do this for any team. I don't know if you've ever used Daily Faceoff as a, a tool. Couple times. Either, whatever their line combinations are or what they were the last time the team played. Mm-hmm. And according to this, Lucas Reichel was the fourth line left winger. Yeah. That, that is not how it should be. And I've, I've been a Luke Richardson fan, but I would almost like, I would put Reichel in the top six as a winger and not a center. And just I let wanted him figure to figure it out. With Bedard. I did. I wanted to see him play with Bedard. Yeah. And they started him in the league as a center. Um, I don't think the Blackhawks have their long-term second-line center in the organization right now. I know you're high on Oliver Moore. I think you take advantage of his speed as a winger. That's just my opinion. Maybe he will prove me wrong and be the second-line center in the long term. I think you get the most out of a guy like Oliver Moore if he's a speedy winger. If he's, I don't know, who's a good, uh, Jesper Bratt. Right, just a speedy winger that plays insane hockey when he's got an outstanding playmaking centerman. Um, maybe they get Celebrini or Iserman, and one of these guys turns into like that true. I think Celebrini's an above average first overall pick. I don't think he's Bedard, but I also don't think he's like Owen Power or Nico Heischer, all stars. Well, let's call them. They're all stars. He sure and power and guy. But then the, you you got the Jack Hughes's and the Bedards and the McDavid's like those are they're just a slightly above average first overall picks. I think, uh, well, McDavid and Bedard are better than slightly above that. I'm getting Jack Hughes vibes from Celebrini. 100 points. That's good. Like, no, it's amazing. Yeah, no, kind of downplaying it. No, I'm not. I'm not just because he's following up Bedard. And like, like he sure followed up McDavid and Matthews. And so when he had a 50 point, really nice season, there were people saying some dumb things about he sure. And now we see he sure he's like a 90 point possibly, you know, he had some injury this year, but elite two way play. Like every first overall pick is different. What I'm saying is I don't think, I think Celebrini will be a tick above an all-star 
but a tick below a generational talent. I, I mean, I'd that take that sense. if the Hawks had it. That's fantastic. Well, Frank, I basically just described Leon Dreisaitl. Well, that's kind of what I said the other day. I said if the Hawks got Celebrini, it's like we got McDavid and Dreisaitl, like a, a version of them. <laughs> yeah, and like, what if you sign Dreisaitl? in free agency that would be insane. and you let celebrini or whoever nylander might make more sense if they win the lottery this year and i want to come to chicago if they won the lottery i know i know a lot of people a lot of people are going to want to come to chicago anyway the blackhawks future is bright they need to stop having at least one off the ice issue a season basically it seems like these days um but you know I, i love kyle davidson i think he's a g and you know it's going to be exciting watching this team for a long time. So um, no idea what this means from Thomas Gage. He's saying he likes the Connorverse, Connor Bedard and uh, Connor McDavid over the Panderverse. I don't know what Panderverse means. It's probably something offensive. Um, I doubt it. No, I doubt it. There were four Connors playing in the game yesterday. I kind of felt bad for Connor Brown and Connor Murphy. Oh, the Panderverse is South Park. Oh, <laughs> I know what he's talking about. That's funny. Well, what were we talking about right before that? Sorry. What were we talking about? Oh, the Blackhawks building a team. Yeah, I mean. Did you uh, see Celebrini's goal he scored in practice today? No. Um, He was practicing with Team Canada. So that starts on, obviously, the day after Christmas. Um, Just scoring some absolutely glorious goals. Um, Let's see. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. This is from Darren Drager. Don't be surprised when Team Canada announces his World Junior roster later today. It names only 12 forwards instead of 13. Canada is hoping an NHL player, either Poitra or Benson, can be added to the roster within the next week. Doubtful on both fronts. I don't think the Bruins let Poitra go. I'd be stunned. I don't either. They'd be kind of stupid. I think Buffalo can let Benson go. Oh, because I wouldn't though. I but like isn't he isn't he like I like Zach Benson. So do I, but didn't he let didn't he start the season a little hurt? Yeah, he did. Um Thomas Gage says Vinny isn't a South Park fan, obviously. I'm I think actually, I heard of the I heard of the pandemic. I heard of it. I, I am a huge South Park. I'm not like okay, maybe I'm not like a diehard anymore, but there was a point where I was. Oh, there was a point I where I was it, like, all the time. Yes. Season seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. When was like uh, the Bat Dad and the Urinal Duke and all that those? That was like, like 10, 11, 12. Like that was days. like my prime South watching years. You used South to be Park able watching. to go to their website and watch anyone for free. I know. Was it? Uh, I don't know if that's a thing. Forget though. what it was called. It was like SouthParkStudios.com. That's and you what it was. Watch any episode yep. that they had from any season. I don't know if they still do that. They might. I love South Park. It's my favorite like animated show. Me too. Right, oh, up, me there too. With, right up there with Family Guy because I really like yeah, Family, Family Guy. Family Guy's good too. But I think if I had to choose one, I think I would go with South Park. I would too. South Park toes the line of like offensive a little more, and then it's funny. It's funnier. Family Guy is funny though. I do like it. Um, but yeah, the Connorverse, yeah. Is it better than the Panorverse? Probably. Oh. Um but hey, I can't wait. This is going to be a lot, a lot of fun ahead for the Blackhawks. I think with their team building over the next handful of years, um, I'm excited for the World Juniors too. 
and we'll get to that in a minute. And in the second period, I think we'll touch on it because we're going to go over Team USA first. And next week, we'll dive into Team Canada a little bit, um, maybe even beyond that. But Frank, John Tavares scored his 1,000th career point earlier this week against his former team, the New York Islanders. Yep. What are your thoughts on Johnny T? Well, good old John Tavares. You know, we were just celebrating John Tavares' 1,000th game in the NHL last season, and this is his next big milestone at 1,000 points that just took place. You know, he's got his 1,000th point in the NHL, like you said, against his former team, the New York Islanders, the team that drafted him first pick first overall in the 2009 NHL entry draft. You know, we talk a lot of first pick first overall players, on this show today already, and we didn't. We're now bringing up John Ferris, who was another first pick, first overall. Um, aren't sports like so poetic though that he got it against his former team? I just thought that's hilarious. It's literally poetic. Anytime we talk about sports, he needed two points going into that game, um, and he ended up scoring a goal, which happened to be his first goal in nine games, and then he assisted on the game tying goal with the goalie pulled to send the game in OT. So it definitely wasn't a boring 1,000th point. I do believe the Islanders ended up winning that game. Yep, Bo Horvat scored in overtime. And spoiled the fun for John Tavares, but definitely an exciting moment for him. You know, you don't, you really don't want to get, you know, I assisted on an empty net for my 1,000th. Yeah, it's fantastic, but this was like so exciting and electrifying. They tied the game, we're going to overtime. And I believe they're going to honor him on December 19th during the pregame versus the New York Rangers, which is their next home game. But what an exciting career John Tavares have had so far. And when I hear John Tavares's name, I still picture him in an Islanders jersey. And for whatever reason, I know it's been six years since the last time he's played a game with the Islanders. But just for some reason, him in an Islanders jersey will like forever stick in my head, which he did play nine seasons for them. So it makes sense. But then I got to kind of pose a question to you, VP, on John Tavares. And I'm going to give a little synopsis before you answer. But is John Tavares a Hall of Famer? I was going to ask you that. Hold on. He has the stats to back it up. He's almost point per game in a thousand games, but nothing else really to say he's a Hall of Famer at this moment. If it was up to me right now, I would not put him in. But now he still has time to make a Hall of Fame case. Well, let's say the Leafs win the Stanley Cup this year. Maybe that extra piece of hardware just winning a cup may get him in. There's still time, but right now I'd say no. I am stunned that I was going to ask you that. I'm ahead of the game, VP. I'm so, all ears. We're prepared. So Daniel Sedin is in, and he's got 1,070 points. Uh-huh. And Daniel Sedin – oh, that's Henrik Sedin, excuse me. But Daniel Sedin won the Art Ross Trophy and the Hart Trophy. Um, Brother Daniel won the Art Ross Trophy once. He's got 1,041 points. And both of them played about 300 more games than John Tavares, and they are going to get blown past in points. Blown past. Tavares will end with Tavares will end with 1,300 points. Yes, I absolutely think John Tavares is a Hall of Famer, and I, I I'm I'm hard on the Hall of Fame. I say no to everybody. Um, I, I would agree with you, but he doesn't have the hardware, and I think that matters tremendously. It does, but there has to be context. There has to be context. Because John Tavares, um, here, 
let me pull something up. I, really I, I don't see it right now. He was no. an all he was an all rookie and he's been an all-star. He's got over a thousand points. He's got over a thousand games. His defensive numbers and metrics are off the charts. He's a fifty-four percent Corsi four, which is just that that's like that's borderline Patrice Bergeron level stuff. He's been he's gotten Selkie trophy votes in almost every year of his career. Um and the thing I like I always feel bad about is he was tied with Jamie Benn and Sidney Crosby on the final day of the season in points. And he was about to win the Art Ross trophy because he had the most goals. That's the tiebreaker for the Art Ross trophy, whoever has more goals. And Jamie Benn collected a secondary assist on an empty net goal. Yep. And that that beat John Tavares for the scoring title. And I'm not, I I can't hold that against them. I just can't in my right mind hold completely like jabbed. And he also, he, he stood out in the Ovechkin Crosby era. It was hard to win the heart trophy in that era. And then, you know, as he's kind of on the Leafs now, McDavid has taken over and wins the thing every year. So, like, for me, I, I would like to see him. I think that would solidify it if he won the Stanley Cup. But let's I say let's say he plays another three years with the Leafs and he's got 1,300 points, 1,500 games played. He was the number one pick. He was an all-rookie. He's been an all-star oh. multiple times. Um, yeah. I, I I'm leaning in for Tavares. Well, if he makes if he's placed thirteen hundred games, I don't think he's gonna have thirteen hundred points. No, fifteen hundred points. Or fifteen hundred games. Oh, I was gonna say I don't I think said, he's gonna have a hundred points for the next three years, but fifteen hundred games, thirteen hundred points. He's a Hall of Famer for me as a former number I, one pick. Oh World Cup of hockey and Olympic gold. I still wouldn't, I don't think. And the only reason is yeah, he's been great. He doesn't even have enough like all-star appearances. He's got one. Everybody makes the all-star. Seth Jones got an all-star appearance and he didn't even deserve it. It's like he he didn't I don't you have him in. I I wouldn't have him in. It's close. It's very close. And like I said, I do think there's still time to make a case for it. He might not be a Hall of Famer in my eyes right now. But in 2 years from now, we might have this conversation. I'll be like, "Yeah, he's absolutely a Hall of Famer." So he made the. Would you put him in the Hall of Fame right now? Uh, yes. Um, because I think the All Star. It kind of it's been screwy most of his career. Like the first two years, or the first three years of his career, he didn't make it. But one of them had the lockout, so there was no All Star game. And whoa, the other had the Olympics, so there was no All Star game. So, and then in 13-14, there was the Olympics, no All-Star game. In 14-15, he made it. In 16-17, in 16-17, he, like, he didn't deserve it those years. He, he just was, you know. Stinky. He, he was, he, not stinky, but, like, they were career-low years. The Islanders were bad. And then 2017-18 was the year he got hurt, I'm pretty sure. And then he went to the Leafs and was never the Leafs, but he was never the Leafs' best player, deserving to go to the All Star game, which I think is 
you could use that as a knock on them. You know, Hall of Famers are usually the best players on their team, but, you know, it's not like Austin Matthews isn't going to go to the Hall of Fame. So, I don't know. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, uh, You're going to call me crazy. But he also, in my opinion, you don't deserve to go to, like, the Hall of Fame if you never had that big year either in terms of, like, points. Like, if you're an 80-point player every year, you don't really, in my eyes, deserve to be a Hall of Fame That's player. Even if, even if you're point per game. Even if you're a top game, 10 player. He was like, if you look at his stats, his best year was 88 points. Like, you never No, that even, can't be right. He had to be in the 90s once. Wow. No, never hit 90 wow. points. Wow. Are you looking at it? Yeah. Never hit 90 points. And to me, I don't care if you're like point per game's good. And if you have the hardware, yeah, you absolutely deserve to be a Hall of Famer. But this guy never even hit 90 points once. It's like Jack Hughes is on pace to be a Hall of Famer. And look what he had 99 points. It's like those are the people we remember. John Tavares will be a guy we remember, but he'll also be a little forgetful down the line, too. Like when we think of the Islanders, oh, yeah, John Ferris, one of the best players in our organization ever. But I don't think he deserves to be a Hall of Famer because he never had that big year. Like, is an 80-point guy a Hall of Famer? I mean, that's going to be done a lot. Frank, that's very fair. I was looking through to see if there were any years where he got boned out of being a 100-point player. I think there's one. It was the year he was an All-Star. He had 66 points in 59 games played. And if you remember, that was the year where he got hurt during the Olympics. Yeah, he could have been boned there. probably would have been. But that's one year, dude. I, but, I, that's a good claim. That's a good claim. But he would have needed in 23 games, he would have needed 24 points. He probably would have got, it would have been close. It would have been close. Yeah. But I just don't think if, if, if Connor Bedard had 82 points for his whole career, I'd be disappointed. hundred percent. Do you now think I know they have different standards to live up to? Yeah. And the league is a little more offensive now than it was than but most if, of Tavares's career. But if Lucas Reichel had 82 points for the next 15 years, I wouldn't say no, he's not a hall of famer unless he did something miraculous. Do you think Patrick Marlowe's a hall of famer? Oh my God. Yeah. We discussed this. I think. Okay. Marlowe. Mr. Marlo, though, was a different – see, Marlo, there's there's a lot going on for Marlo. He didn't have anything going on in terms of, like, uh, he never had um, – oh, but Marlo, though, he his points either. His career high in points is 86. Oh, God. I would say no, But then. he's got almost 1,200 points and 1,700 <laughs> games played. Never won anything. No I'm, hard. I'm thinking of Joe Thornton. We talked about George. Jo- Jumbo's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. Jumbo. That's he like – he had a few years of over 100 uh, points. Argue yeah. that. Argue Jumbo with me, and I assume I'd, you don't watch hockey. I'd say Patrick Marlowe, no, absolutely not. I'd give it over John Tavares than Patrick Marlowe. Oh, me too. That's why I was going to say. Like, no, Patrick Marlowe's no. Patrick Marlowe was great. He was he awesome. He was great for different reasons. Yeah, he was He was a winger. Yeah. And, you know, he, he had a lot of points. You don't have 1,200 points because you stink. Yeah, and especially because... You look at Patrick Marlowe's stats. I got him up right now. There were a lot of years he played 82 or 81 games. So there was really no excuses for not having that big year. I would say, yeah, no, you played 1,800 games and you only really had 1,200 points. And I say only 1,200, but you play 1,800 games. No, he's not a Hall of Famer. I wouldn't put him in. I wouldn't either. But if he gets in, then I'll firmly think Tavares deserves it. If Patrick Marlowe gets in, Tavares will get in. Yeah. 
All but right. right now, I I don't think I do. Listen, John Tavares could get in because of like there's still how old is he? Thirty three. He's thirty three. There's plenty of time left for John Tavares to get in the Hall of Fame. It's just gonna take that one big thing. And I don't mean like 90 points and he had another all-star appearance. He needs to win something special. And even if it's just the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Uh, he's he's closer than Marlowe, I agree. Um, I, I like your argument, though, because normally when I think of Hall of Famers, were they a top five player in the league? You could probably have argued Tavares is a top five player in that one year that I was saying, the year with the Olympics. He's very prominent that year. I do hold weight in the World Cup of Hockey and Olympic gold. Yeah. Uh, th- those are important. The The Hall of Fame committee looks at international play. You know, they induct, they induct Russian men that never played in the NHL or women based on their international play. And that same applies to, you know, the NHL. Like, like Bergeron is part of the triple gold club. He's won World Junior gold. Olympic gold, world championship gold, and the Stanley Cup. Um, I think, I think, no, I don't think Getzlaff can say that. And I don't think Taves, Taves might be. Taves able, can say it. No, I don't think Taves ever won the world championships. I, I, the world juniors, right? No, the world championships, the one that uh, they play in the spring. Because the, the world juniors, though, right? the, Yeah, he won world junior. Taves, the Blackhawks were always playing in the playoffs during the world championships. You know, almost every time Taves would have made the team. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the Bruins, they had one or two years there where they didn't make the playoffs, and Bergeron went and played in Worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm talking about with Worlds? Uh-huh. Like that. It's not best on best, but it's close. Um, Kane played in it with a one year the Hawks did. Like, it was the first year the Hawks didn't make the playoffs following the dynasty. Kane went and played, and Jack Hughes was his line mate. I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember. Yeah, because when uh, – when you turn 18, you're allowed to no longer wear the face mask, which is was a big milestone for him when he was able to take it <laughs> off. It was like he played a couple pre-tourney games with it on, and then I think it was the first or second game he was able to play without it because he had turned uh, 18. Um, but, yeah, Tavares, eh, now, you, now you got me thinking. Let me sleep on that. Do I think he eventually gets what he needs to get in? If he has Olympic gold, he might, dude. He probably has World Junior gold too. Actually, now that I think about it, he probably does. I'm actually going to look that up right now before we even. Um, before yeah, we move on. I still think he needs he needs more VP. You could very well be right. I I'm not. This is not one of those things. Like if you would argue Jumbo with me. No, he's in for sure. But I, he had a few. He had like a 120-point season, I think, or something ridiculous. Dude, he's the only player in the history of the NHL to win the Hart Trophy in a year that he was traded. Like, that's that's a Hall of Famer. Like, that's your, like, John Tavares, exceptional player. Fantastic career. If he said, you know, you could play in the NHL, never win the Cup, have a 1,000 points, not many people get to a 1,000 points. It's not Hall of Fame worthy, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. Right now. But the oh. next will change, maybe. And just so you know, um, the all if you were looking on elite prospects, mm-hmm. or not elite prospects, if you were looking on hockey reference in the top right corner, is that where you were looking to see John Tavares' accomplishments? Yeah. That all-star 
is him being voted to NHL first team All-Star. That's not appearances in the All-Star game, just so you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's how many times Tavares was voted first team All-Star or whatever. I'm pretty sure. Because I'm looking at his um, Elite Prospects page, and he has two Olympic, or he has two World Junior Championship gold, which means he went, he played, that means he played a year young. That -hmm. means there was a year he was the young, because he definitely, when he was the first pick, went right to the Islanders, didn't go back and play a third, but that would have been a third. Um, He's got a World Cup gold medal and an Olympic gold. Um, And then he was a player of the year, rookie of the year, um, top draft prospect award, all in the CHL. Um, and then rookie of the rookie, first team rookie, first team all star in the NHL. It's well, it's a very interesting discussion for sure. Hold on. Well, there's an article from two days ago saying he that he did he make it more than once because this says only once. Maybe it just also lines up where it's both just once. But when I'm looking at the elite prospects thing, it was saying that was the all star, like the first team all star. But how does it say how many times he made it? Or no? no, no, it doesn't. Uh, does uh, Hockey Reference has a Hall of Fame tracker? Doesn't it? Oh well, Hockey Reference has like you could see who's in the Hall of Fame. Is that what you mean? I'm pretty sure it has like there's a way to look like whether or not a player is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Oh, I didn't know that. That's crazy. How do you but do that? I'm trying to figure it out. It might not be something to do while we're live, but you know, we'll we'll take a look at that. And we will that continue. Cool. We will continue this uh, John Tavares discussion for sure. Um, I want to move on to another player though that's very prominent in the NHL today. That's Kyle Connor. When I wrote this sheet, it was speculated that he'd be out for six to eight weeks. Yep. Um, but there were, that was always pending confirmation from the team doctors. Well, today we did find out that the Jets did confirm that that was accurate and he will be out for six to eight weeks. What are your thoughts on this Kyle Connor injury? Kyle Connor. Um, just give me a sec because I'm my mic's bothering me. It's like not staying up. Come on, Mike. When I want it to, and it just keeps falling, and it's making it really irritating. Um, Kyle Connor, yeah, it's very tough loss for the Winnipeg Jets. Kyle Connor is tied for the team lead in points with 28 with Mark Shifley. Kyle Connor is also the only player on this team with double-digit goals at 17, almost more than double Mark Shifley and Cole Perfetti, who currently sit at 9. And this team right now is currently holding on to the third spot in the Central Division and is being chased by a pesky Nashville Predators team. And then if you didn't know, obviously, this uh, injury was caused by a knee-on-knee collision with Ryan Strom of the Anaheim Ducks. And like you said, before we knew officially, he was expected to be sidelined sidelined for six to eight weeks. Um, But the evaluation has been done, and he's not going to be back for any time soon. Very tough loss, VP. You could assume that the scoring production is obviously going to go down significantly, figuring he's basically doubling goal production on his team more than the two people in second. And this team's not that deep of a team. There's not a lot of spreading out in terms of offensive production on the team. They're 14th in scoring as a whole, 
but I think that's a little inflated because of how good Kyle Connor's been this year. Um, but yeah, things aren't looking good for the Winnipeg Jets. I think things are going to drastically change in terms of where they are in the standings. Um, kind of saw that with the New Jersey Devils when Heeshear and Hughes were out. It wasn't easy, was it, VP, with your two best players out? And with when your best player, like Nico Heeshear and um, Jack Hughes being your two best players, well, Kyle Connor, since there's not a lot of depth, that almost acts as two top players being out. Because like I said, the production and the stats show is like doubling the, the people behind them. That's like losing two of your best players in one. They're going downhill quick. I think so. I think so too. Now, six to eight weeks sounds daunting. I do think if they could like find a way to go 500 during those six to eight weeks and then they could get Kyle Connor back and solidify a playoff spot, I think that's possible. But I'd be very worried if I were Winnipeg Jets fans right now. I would be very – like you said, they're not as deep as some of these other teams that have lost their top players for, you know, injury times or whatever. Um, shit, the Devils played the Jets earlier this year, and Kyle Connor had two sick goals in that game. Very good. He's very good. So I'm, I'm skeptical about this for the Jets, but hopefully they could get through it. I agree. It's going to be tough, though. Nashville's been pesky. They do have more games played, I believe, which will help the Jets out, but they've been a little bit better lately. Pesky, I think, is the perfect word to describe them. Yeah, Andrew Brunette's doing a great job as their coach. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think they're not going to be out of it. And also, we talked about the Oilers going on a run since their coach was fired. The Minnesota Wild have been on a run since their coach was fired, too. They've Crazy. been great. They've been great. So, and then if Edmonton keeps winning and that pushes up other teams or, you know, the Arizona Coyotes continue to be moderately impressive so far this season kind of fell off a little bit from their six game winning streak, but you know, so they're still, they're still a good young up and coming team that should be worried about Um, tough times for the jets. Luckily for them, the middle of the Western conference kind of looks very average. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote about it today um, because, you know, We'll get to this reason in a minute, but the, you know, there's another team in this bubble that had some big news last night. But separating the eighth spot in the conference, the second wild card, and seven places down is four points. So from from eight to thirteen in the conference is separated by eight points or four points. That's crazy. And the Jets are a little bit above that right now. We'll see how they're able to do without Kyle Connor. Um, Frank, David Perron suspended for six games for his illegal check to the head um, against the Detroit or against the uh, what are they called? Was it the Ottawa Senators? Ottawa Senators. Um, I had the the Joseph brother in my mind when I couldn't (laughs) remember which team Um, against the Ottawa Senators. um, It was a bad play, dumb play, but also what was going on with the whole Dylan Larkin thing with the injury. What's your takeaway from this whole thing? Yeah, that incident happened right after Dylan Larkin was knocked unconscious. Scary injury for Dylan Larkin. He looked bad on the ice. He did look dead. I thought it was going to be, like, very, very bad. Um, Artem Zub was actually calling for help for Dylan Larkin because he saw Larkin laying unconscious. And then Perron came in and almost took Zub's head off. Like, this check to the head was very dangerous, completely uncalled for. David Perron's lucky he didn't receive a much higher suspension. I don't know what the max is, if that was the max. I know they have certain maxes for things. 
I don't know. It could have called for more, though. He could have honestly, like, killed him if he hit him the wrong way. It was very dangerous. As far as the Dylan Larkin injury goes, um, the injury is very scary as well. Knocked unconscious, two checks to the head simultaneously coming from both sides, uh, laid unconscious, motionless on the ice. Detroit head coach spoke to the media on Monday but didn't give an update on Larkin other than he was going to have to go on injured reserve. The good news is he was able to leave the ice with assistance and not a stretcher or anything of that sort was needed, which is good. So, I mean, that's that's very positive news right there. Bad news is um, you're going to be – the bad news is there's not definitive news to what's going on with Dylan Larkin, and you're going to be without your captain – and his skills and what he brings to this young team. It's a tough loss for Detroit. Now, Larkin has also had, you know, his history of neck injuries. But, you know, from when the team and the coach or whoever spoke with him, they said he's in good spirits and hopeful that it's not too serious or doesn't end up to be too serious. But you got one guy, Perron, trying to kill Zub. Then you got Dylan Larkin going out with a bad injury. Just everything that happened in that 30 seconds, Bad for both teams. Couldn't agree more. Just, I was a little surprised six games because, like, you don't see that people get bad. You don't, oh, I, I it probably deserves more. Yeah. But I didn't anticipate them giving him more than five because you just hardly ever see more than five games yeah. handed out to anybody if it's not, you know, we treat betting on hockey worse than like domestic abuse and drug use and, you know, stuff like that when we're the NHL handing out suspensions, but that's a different conversation for a different day. But um, I, I really didn't see them taking this that seriously. And then you got like Moritz Sider quoting it going, um, only six games question mark or, or six games question mark thinking like it should be less like, dude, Moritz Sider. Like, what did you see on the play? Did it you not see? Horrible. Yeah, it's very dumb. Very, very dumb. Like, he could have checked Zub, and Zub could have laid unconscious on the ice. Because, like, you don't mess with the head or neck area. That's why yeah. it's illegal in football. You know, you can't, you know, hit the head or neck. It's it's very bad. Exactly. So, hopefully Larkin's okay. Piran will be out for a while. Um, wings have been a wagon outside of that, though. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. No um, doubt. And, Frank, they were such a wagon that they beat the brakes off the St. Louis Blues yesterday. And not long after the game was over, the St. Louis Blues decided to fire head coach Craig Berube and instead replaced him with Drew Bannister, who was the um, head coach of, now I'm drawing a blank on the name of the team he was the head coach for. I wrote about it. Springfield Thunderbirds. Springfield Thunderbirds, thank you. Um, He was with them for three years. He was even in the New Jersey Devils organization as an assistant coach for the Utica Comets for a minute there. Um, and, you know, he has times coaching in the OHL. He was a pro hockey player for over 20 years, and that included over 100 games played in the NHL. And now he's the coach of the St. Louis Blues after firing Barube. Of course, Barube won the Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues as an interim head coach in 2019 when he took over. It's funny because they were actually in a way worse situation when Craig Barube took over than they are right now. They're only one point out of a playoff spot or two. Yeah. But, Frank, uh, I was surprised. It kind of shocked me a little bit, especially with it being right after this game on a weeknight. Yeah. Um, I thought, if anything, it would be after the Blackhawks destroyed them over the weekend. But, you know, this game against the Red Wings was the final straw for 
the St. Louis Blues GM, Doug Armstrong, and clearly they see that there's lots of track left on this season and lots of moves could be made. But like I said, I was still surprised by it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I was very surprised as well. I think it came down to upset the organization was with Berube in terms of their losses most recently. Like you're trailing one point for a playoff spot. You've lost four in a row. One of those losses came to the Chicago Blackhawks, which those are the teams you got to beat. Ask the Pittsburgh Penguins how that would work out. Um, And, yeah, it was just really weird that the announcement just came after their loss to the Red Wings. And like you said, he was great, really, with the Blues. I mean, he won the as their first season as head coach. He won the Cup in 2018. But really, ever since then, this team never got to the next level. After they won the Cup, it was like, we're content with winning the Cup, but we – we just didn't really advance to the next level. We didn't make it to the conference finals. I don't even think they made it to the second round of the playoffs um, since they won the Stanley Cup. I could be wrong there, but just going off my knowledge and what I know, I don't think they did. But they're hoping this guy, what is his name, Drew Bannister, as Drew interim Bannister. head coach, maybe bring some new energy to this team, new life into this team until a final decision is made. Is it going to be Drew Bannister? long-term or are we going to bring in somebody else to try and get this team, you know, flipped around a little bit. Now the blues, they got a lot of work to do. I think to be elite again. I mean, they kind of, would you say they went through like a rebuild on the fly, but, they not, tried. but not a full rebuild. It was like a, a half rebuild that wasn't super successful. We got rid of Tarasenko and we're still, yeah. okay. they tried. I don't agree with their moves. No, it kind like, of stunk. they brought in sense. yeah they brought in Kevin Hayes, Pavel yeah. Buchnevich, like okay play, like Kevin Hayes was great back in the day, but like uh, the Tory Krug contract you should have brought back Tarasenko I would say or not mm-hmm. Tarasenko, Petrangelo letting him go was uh, the obvious number one downfall. Yeah, it was really weird. It's like we let go of the players that we want to rebuild. Where we're gonna get rid of these guys so we can rebuild, but we're still good. Kind of we want to be good. Just didn't work out, I think, in their minds what they were looking for. But nonetheless, Craig Berube's gone. Drew Bannister in. I don't know how well this is going to work out for them. I think this is going to hurt them more than help them, especially with this team. This team's not great as it is. Um, I know they're only one point out of a playoff spot, but I actually think this is going to hurt them in the long run. They give Jordan Cairo eight and a half, and he's got five goals and 12 assists for 17 points in 28 games played. It's not god-awful production he's an nhl player but you know jack hughes makes less all right that's tough (laughs) yeah that's tough tough, vp you know so that's a big problem um they haven't been defending the way that people would expect them to defend over there in st louis for a long time i think the bruins or the blues were seen as like the bruins of the west like the way they build their team there was never really like one super duper star but like you lose a guy like ryan o'reilly and you lose a guy like Patrangelo, and it's it's hard to win a number one center and a number one D like that. It's never going to be the same until they you know replace them adequately. So you know the the Blues are they're an okay team. The, they smoked the Devils when they played them, and I know that um, is an issue sometimes. Um, but I just don't think they're all that good. They're they're like okay. They're very okay. I think that's the way it's going to be. They're going to be okay to bad the rest of the year. I really do. Yeah, I do too. If I were them, I would sell at the deadline. So if you go over to their – If they um, buy, they're idiots. Well, yeah. 
but obviously we got to see where they are at that point. But still, it's like, what are we trying to do with this team? We got like a dollar store type of team that we're trying to be. We're trying to be Target, but we're dollar store right now. It's like, what are yeah. we doing? Yeah. Uh, they put Verona on waivers. I think he went unclaimed. Um, Kasperi Kapanen is a UFA after this year. Sammy Blay is an unrestricted free agent after this year. And so is Oscar Sundquist. And so is Marco Scandella. Um, after that, they kind of just have like a couple bland contracts. Their highest paid player is, yeah, it's Cairo right? tied yeah. with Robert Thomas. Robert yeah. Thomas is worthy so like far. Thomas, yeah. He's a really good player, and I really like Braden Shen. I, he's well-deserving of being the captain, but they don't have, when you look at their roster, they don't have multiple game breakers offensively. Mm-hmm. And I think in order to be like a winning team, you need to be able to defend, which I think is first and foremost. You need to be able to defend and have good goaltending. And the Blues, they have okay goaltending, but they can't really defend all that well. And they don't score enough. You think of the teams that are really, really good. They get scoring from all over the place. There are multiple threats. Like, the Devils weren't good when it was just Hall, Heischer, and Hughes. Right? It took the development of Jesper Bratt and finding a Mercer and you know, getting production, getting Andre Pilat and Eric Halla and, you know, adding all this depth. You need to be able to score. The Hawks are already ahead of the curve because they have Bedard. Yep. Bedard would be the Blues' best player. And, you know, I do think that, you know, stuff like that, it cost Baruby his job. I'm sure based on what I know about Baruby that he's probably not the easiest person to deal with when the team is struggling, right? Like he's a really, really good coach, but he's a very hard, intense coach, and that can be an issue sometimes. So hopefully they're able to find a way to get through, but it's not looking good for the Blues right now. I'm kind of with you in their long-term outlook. It's cooked. Um, One thing I wanted to talk about quickly, Simone, um, we got confirmation on how to say his name. It's Shimon Nemitz. So that's how I'm going to be saying it from now on. Shimon Nemitz? Yeah. Like like Shimon, and then N-E-M-E-T-Z is how you pronounce it. Shimon, Shimon Nemitz. Yeah, and so Simone or Simone is like very the French or English way to like think of S-I-M-O-N or Simon, but it's very Slovakian to do the sh at the beginning. So like if you meet someone who's got that spelling and you know they're Slovakian, Call him Shimon, and you'll you'll impress them because you know that dialect. But it's Shimon yeah. Nemitz. He was the second overall pick in the 2022 NHL draft. There's obviously huge expectations on a guy like that. Um, so far, he has lived up to every bit of the hype since getting his Devils call up. Um, Frankie scored his first NHL goal. If you were me, would you be pumped about this Nemitz game? Yeah, what kind of dumbass question is that? I saw that, and I was like, why wouldn't you be pumped? Like, the next generation of the Devils' defense has arrived. He scored a goal, and it took him three games. Like, of course you got to be pumped up for it. Came against the Seattle Kraken at Climate Pledge Arena. So if you're ever, you know, in New Jersey and you're at a bar in the trivia trivia night, they're like, where did Simone Nemitz score his first goal and against what team? Well, it came against the Seattle Kraken at Climate Climate Pledge Arena. Climate Pledge. I don't think I'll ever forget that, um, now that I know it. Who assisted on it? That I don't know. Just that. 
I think I did know that because I saw the celebration. I saw he made a sick pass, Brad. Yeah, and I saw them in the huddle or the you know in their goal celebration. It's kind of funny. He had no goal celebration of any sort. It really didn't even look like he was happy. And those were his words. He goes, "Yeah, it might not look like I was happy, but I just think he was kind of in shock that he scored his first ever goal in the NHL." Right? You never forget your first NHL goal. But congrats to Shimon Nemitz. I really, when I said, when I said, should we be pumped? I I was more like, cause like it was the type of goal he scored for his first that like really, really excited me. It wasn't just like he was on the power play and he got the puck at the top of the zone and he shot it through traffic and it went in. He had the smarts to like come up on the play when Jesper Bratt had the puck down low. He had the awareness that a forward was back for him and he came in and he received the pass and didn't miss. I was like, that's something that like, a 10-year NHL vet would do, uh, for a 19-year-old to have the confidence to do that, I was like, holy crap, you have him, Luke Hughes. Seamus Casey, in my opinion, has been the second-best defenseman in all of college hockey, right? Like, I really only think Lane Hudson of BU, Montreal Canadiens draft pick, he's probably the only defenseman that's been better in college hockey this year than Seamus Casey. And, like, that's a second-round pick that, like, was a, a lottery ticket you know, you take a guy that high, you're hoping they turn into something nice. There's a real chance he's on the Devils next year. And I'm like, you have that with Nemitz and Hughes, and it's like Dougie Hamilton will be back, and you have Siegenthaler and Marino, and Colin Miller's there right now, but you never know what happens in the future. Kevin Ball's a nice player. They really could be building something special on this blue line. People have, like, who's better between Nemitz and Hughes? I, I honestly, I don't have an answer. They're different. They're just, they're different. And obviously we live in a world of rankings. I think Luke Hughes might have him by a tick, but like Nemitz was a second overall pick. Hughes was a fourth overall pick, but I wholeheartedly believe if the Devils had the number one pick in the 2021 NHL draft, they would have taken Luke Hughes. So it's almost like they have three number one picks on their team anyway. Mm-hmm. Eh, I don't know. I have no idea, but I, I'm really excited about Nemitz, to be honest with you. Gonna, I'm more, I'm more excited than I thought I even was. It's gonna take me a long time to get used to that name, Shamo Nemitz. Yeah, it's just not natural. It's like every time I talk about him, I'm gonna have to like stop and stutter and be like, "Yeah, you know that guy, Shamo Nemitz," and then yeah. like it's not natural to me. Well, I might f- just call him Simone Nemitz. <laughs> that's fine. In in five years, hopefully, he's like prominent enough where you're like, yeah. The Devils have two Norris guys on their team. Like they have their own version of Kale McCarr and Devin Taves. And maybe Luke Hughes isn't quite as good as McCarr, but Nemitz is a little bit better than Devin Taves, maybe. So like uh, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be really nice, I think, as a top pair two, three years from now. I don't I don't think the Devils are necessarily a cup winner this year. Right, like I know that was my preseason, but like I'm seeing, I'm seeing. You never say never, but like right now, I'm seeing a team that it's rough right now. They have they have weak. Well, they have it's everybody talks so down. They've won six out of eight, and like until losing to Edmonton, like they were on a big winning streak, and it's a lot on the road. And tonight they play the Bruins, and they're favored somehow. Um, The Bruins are without McAvoy and Zaka, but I still think. It would be a big win if they took down the Bruins tonight. 100%. Um, but, you know, everybody's acting like 
they're 10 games under 500. Really, they, they're above 500. They're above NHL 500 and normal 500. It's just because of the slow start they had, you know, because they had yeah. division win expectations. And now it's like, are we going to win the division? Could. It's going to be yeah. tougher, a lot tougher right now. It's like, are we going to make the playoffs? Yeah. I think but, that's why people are talking down. But, like, I, I almost, like, don't care. Because I see the making of like, okay, you squeak into the playoffs this year. You were never breaking your franchise record for wins and points like you did last year. Like last year was, last year was fucking awesome. It was insane. That was fucking awesome. I, I, I kept telling people I'm enjoying this season. Like whatever happens in the play, like this season has been truly special. And there was always going to be a little regression this year. But I think next year and the year after and the year after, like it could only go up from that. Yeah. Because Jack Hughes is 21. Luke is 19. Nimitz is 19. Uh, they still have Mercer and, you know, all these young players. Seamus Casey's on the way. They need goaltending long-term really bad. Yep. I don't know if Akira Schmidt is the guy, if he's a really good backup one day. I think that'd be great. I saw something about them trading for John Gibson earlier today. That would be really cool um, for this year, next year. Um. I don't know. I, I'm not as focused on like being the best team in the league though at all. I just want these guys to get better, and I'd rather them win two cups over the next ten years than one cup this year, and that's it. I agree. I do think, from what I've seen out of the New Jersey Devils this year, I would lean towards no, it's not their year. Obviously, yeah, which is disappointing because there were a lot more expectations going into it going forward, you know. I had them right up there. I think I chose the Hurricanes to win the division, so I'm probably going to be dead wrong there too. But, um, I mean, I had them right there at second, like flip-flop either way. So now, disappointed. if they pull the Florida Panthers, would you be shocked? Not really, because I do I, think I the skill not. is the skill is there. They could do something like that. The problem is getting there first and then making things happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do think they're going to make the playoffs, and I think they'll be in a division spot. But um, the division, eh. The thing, like, I just, the Hurricanes window, they're, they're, they've been a disappointment, but their window's closing. They're, like, on the back end of it all. They've already been in the conference finals. Yeah. And, you know, had their, like, now guys are, like, getting older and, like, Brent Burns and they don't have a goaltender. Like, uh, Aho signed long term. Like, I don't know. I, I like where the Devils are at long term this year, though. I hope they just make the playoffs and maybe win around and keep developing these guys. That's all it takes. Tom says, hey, Lucas Reichel's still only 21. I haven't given up on him. I'd put him on the top line. He'd, he would be on the top line tomorrow. I love, Lucas I love Lucas Reichel. And he's getting, you know, a lot of shit because he's not over or he's underperforming right now. But I'm not giving up on him. He's young. Yeah. This he, is not a team ready to win. So why are we going to get up and give up on him? He was also a little too good at the end of last year. Yeah. Like when I was rooting for them to lose so they could get Bedard and Lucas Reichel's out there scoring sick goals. I'm like, dude, Lucas, go back to Rockford, dude. <laughs> um, Frank. We have some more puck to get to with a little bit different style of conversation in period number two. Frank, the NHL skills competition 
is going to go through some major changes. Do you have the major changes ready yeah. to speak on? You have it? Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Let's, let's hear what I have it. I have it, like, shortened. Yeah, read out to the people the changes that are coming to the skills competition and then give an opinion on it. All right, so it's it's going to be shortened a little bit, but it's still a little lengthy because there's a lot to talk about. So instead of the usual setup where all players will participate and you know disperse through several events, you got this guy doing the skate and this guy doing the accuracy, it's going to be a little bit different this year. And this year there's going to be 12 players selected to participate in all the events, earning points based on where they finish in each event where eventually the winner will receive a million dollars. And Gary Bettman said, you know, we wanted to do something that the players would have fun with and want to participate in. Um, he said this on ESPN Sports Center uh, yesterday. And he said, we'll crown an all-star as the skills competition or the skills competition champion. And that should be a lot of fun. So the way it'll work also diving into it a little bit more is out of those 12 players, eight players will be selected by the NHL along with input from the NHL players association from the four teams at the event with the hosting, obviously Toronto Maple Leafs likely getting a nod in the process, of course. And then there will be four additional players voted in to the event by the fans. Each will compete. Each player will compete in four of the first six events, the fastest skater, the hardest shot, the NHL upper deck stick handling, NHL one-timers, NHL passing challenge, and the Cheetos NHL accuracy shooting. First place will be worth five points. Second place will be worth four points, so on and so forth. The top eight players who have the most points at the end of these events, at the end of the first six events, will advance to the seventh event which is the Honda NHL shootout. And uh, the seventh event, what's so special about it, is that eight players will line up on the blue line, eight goalies will line up on the other blue line, and one by one from eighth place to first place, they will get to pick which goalie he wants to go up against, which I thought is really cool. Um, and obviously, who will... who? They will pick how much will it be in the standings again. First place worth five points, second place worth four points, so on. It will end with the guy in first place getting the hardest goalie because obviously nobody's going to pick the hardest goalie to go up against, at least whatever's one. I mean, somebody might because it's the all-star game and we want to, you know, dive into that. But, um, yeah, I, I'm excited about it. The top – then – you have your top eight right there. I know this is a lot to take in because there's you know a lot of changes and I'm rambling, but the top six of those eight from event number seven will advance to the final event, which is the Pepsi NHL obstacle course. The event will include all the skills and it will be worth double the points. So first place instead of five will be worth 10. Second place will be worth eight points. And so on and so forth. So we have a lot of changes from the NHL skills competition this year. And I, I'm, I'm for it. I like it. Um, I, it's more tourney based. Um, I'm excited for it. I, I, I really am. So, 
So last year was the first year. It was kind of like not bad, but it just didn't have the same pizzazz Mm -hmm. as it did in years past. And I think the league recognized that they understood it and they made a change and I'm excited about it. And it's not because I'm pretty confident Jack Hughes will be participating because I am pretty confident in that. But even if he's not, I still think, you know, this is a great move by the NHL. It's going to be, we, we like, we like competition more than we like show in North America these days. We used to like show, but now I think we like competition more and we're seeing people compete now in the skills competition overall. And there was still little competitions in the skills thing. Like you wanted to win hardest shot or win fastest skater, but now you're going to look to win the whole event and you'll see somebody win a million dollars. And I think that's big too, because what if so, what if there's a rookie who is on a rookie deal and he wins a million, like what if Connor Bedard wins the whole thing? Yeah. He'll make more from that than his entire contract for the year. Yeah. So it's going to be really cool. I'm I'm way looking forward to it, and I can't wait for All Star Weekend. Do you think Bedard is one of the twelve players? I think he will be. I think it'd be hard to leave him off. He's got. It's not just because he's like a super hyped prospect. He's got a lot of goals. He's box office. He's everything you want in a skills competition participant, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do think Bedard will be. I agree. The mix. I like it. I like where this is headed. No Blackhawk deserves to be an all-star either. Like it's not like one of those things like will will Bedard just be there for the skills competition kind of like Zegris was last year? Like Zegris Zegris is more box office, but Troy Terry actually deserves to be an all-star way more. Oh yeah. It's not that type of situation in Chicago. Like Connor Bedard is their best. He leads them in goals, assists, and points. He leads all rookies in goals, assists, and points. Yes, yes, he does. He does. Um he would win the Calder Trophy if the season ended today, and really only two or three guys are the 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 top five is really starting to separate itself. Oh yeah, a little bit. Um, so that should be really fun, Frank. I saw that Logan Couture thought he might have a career-ending setback during the earlier stages of the season, but now it sounds like he might not. He might be fine. Um. We'll see what happens with Logan Couture, but I wanted to give that update out there. He hasn't played yet this season. What are your thoughts on Logan Couture? Yeah, he missed the entire season this year due to a lower body injury. Met with San Jose Media this week for the first time in nearly two months. And the media asked him to shine light on his injury situation. And he told the media, not right now, maybe one day. The Sharks captain told reporters he had been skating for roughly 10 days. So Couture also went on to say, like you said a few months ago, you never know if he'd step back on the ice again and that his career may have been over. But things have changed now, and he sees a path to playing in the NHL again. Now, obviously, we all know Logan Couture was injured. I don't, I, he's not, you're not going to lie about that. We know he was injured. But honestly, he probably doesn't want to come back to the Sharks and play meaningless games right now in the NHL. Like, you want to return to the NHL and play for the 32nd place team in the NHL? Like, I can understand why there's no rush for him to get back right now. He's not on the Blackhawks. Sorry. Are they last? I swear I checked yesterday and the Sharks were last. They're last, and the Sharks aren't even second to last right now. 
They're third to last. That's how are bad. They really? Did they win this year? They did. They are six two and two in their last. I time. thought. See, I wrote the sheet before they they won. No, it's okay. I'm 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 joking. I it was because it was the Hawks. I well, wouldn't have interrupted you if it was like the Ducks and last. In a few games, maybe. But <laughs> what I'm saying, they is stink. Like, there's no rush. Why do you need to rush back to get to play these meaningless games? Like, you don't wanna. Like that's not fun way to end your career, right? Yeah, I I agree. And I think if he gets back, he would probably assume his career's not almost over. I think that's probably the hope, right? Like Logan Couture is not old, old. Yeah. He Logan Couture is currently Oh, Logan Couture is 34. He'll be 35 in March. He's It's getting he's, there. He's a little older than I realized. But I'm living in my world where I remember Logan Couture as a young man. But that's why it's like, do you really want to like end your career like this? Yeah, I agree. Well, maybe he'll come back, play a couple games, and get traded. It would be hard to trade for a guy like that, though. It would be if you know you're giving up something to get a, a very, a very big question mark. Mm-hmm. So that's always going to be an issue. Um, but I, hey, I'm looking forward to it, seeing what he is able to accomplish in terms of his comeback. Absolutely. But. I don't know. It's going to be fun to watch, I think. Should be. I mean, the team stinks, but he'll be a bright spot, I guess. We'll see how he does coming back from injury, being as old as he is. It might be a little bit tougher, but we'll see. Do you still think the San Jose Sharks are the worst team in the league? Not lately. I would say no. They're seven points out of a playoff spot. Wow. I'm not saying they're going to be a play, but like that's how good they've been lately. I mean, they've been freaking sweet. Are they really seven points out? Yeah. That's insane. That's insanity. That's wild. So like, I, I don't, I don't really know how to describe like this sharks team. It's one of the weirdest situations I think I've ever seen. I think, I think they started so badly that it was impossible for them to not go on like a really hot run. They were that's, so bad. <laughs> uh, th- that's kind of like my thing. Like, were they really going to have the worst record of all time? No, I just don't think that was ever like a thing. And like, <laughs> even though they started that they way, so bad. they were terrible. But I don't know, man. It's, it's interesting. The Sharks are a polarizing team. Um, Frank, the World Juniors are coming up soon. They're going to start on December 26th, Boxing Day. One of my favorite days of the whole calendar year is the day that we start the World Junior Classic. Team USA, their roster is looking good. What do you have to say about it? Gavin Brindley, I got the preliminary roster up. I assume that's what you're talking about. Uh, The preliminary roster is out, yes. Yeah, I mean, Cutter Gauthier, uh, like I said, Gavin Brindley, um, Oliver Moore. So there's some good, good, notable names on here. Seamus Casey for the New Jersey Devils on defense. Lane Hudson. Uh, I mean, I like what I'm seeing. I don't know much about their goaltending. I don't recognize that any of the Um, goaltenders too much. Their goalie, one of them is from Boston College. He plays with that big line uh, with your guy, or uh, Gabe Peralt, Will Smith, and... Oh, yeah, I forgot about Will Smith. Yeah. Um, what are they called? Gabe Peralt, Will Smith, and Leonard. Those three, I, the Capitals draft pick. Will they, Smith's on the team, right? Will Smith will probably be their number one center. I don't even see him on this list, though. That's weird. 
Yeah. But yeah, I forgot about Will, Will Smith. Jimmy Snuggerud. I like him. Snuggerud is awesome. I like him. Snuggerud is very, very good. Frank Nazar. Yep. And I'm yep, seeing yep. more and more names. Gavin Hayes. I like Gavin. A lot of Blackhawks. There's a lot of Blackhawk representation on Team USA. And I think there's a chance that, you know, there's even more across the other nations too. Like the Blackhawks farm system strong. So I, I don't think anybody is necessarily like super surprised about that. But um, Sam Renzel. Sam Renzel. Yep. Yep. Very good player. I like Lane Hudson. So Lane, Lane Hudson is a really, really good player. And I think he's going to make a huge difference. For Team USA, I think, okay, hear me out. I wrote this article for Puck Pros. They are good enough to win the gold. They don't have Austin Matthews or Jack Hughes like they did in other years. You don't think they could win the gold? I do think they could win the gold. Oh, okay. Their their roster has so much depth. They don't have one guy who's going to stick out like that. They don't have next year's number one pick. They don't even have next year's number two pick. But they have... Well, I don't know if Cole Eiserman is on that list, but they, I don't even know if he's American. I can't confirm that. But, you know, Canada has Macklin Celebrini. They're going to have him play for them this year. And obviously no Logan Cooley, but that's not a surprise. Yeah, no Logan Cooley. We'll see if they use Benson or um, Poitra. That'll come out at a later time. I, I, I'm against it. I don't think they will. But I do think... Team USA is going to be freaking awesome. Like, From what I'm seeing on this roster, they look stacked. Yes. They look absolutely stacked. I can't wait to watch them. They open up on December 26th at 10 a.m. local time, or 10 a.m. our local time. Um, it should be a really, really good tournament all around. I just definitely think that the, you know, the Americans, they're coming into this t- tournament with a better team than they have had. In a long time, I don't know if you agree. I don't know if you've looked at some of no, the other rosters I yet. I agree. I agree. But it's just it's it's going to be freaking sweet. They have a chance to win it all. I I will have to agree. Going over, seeing who they have, and really diving into it. Um, yeah, I I think they could win gold. I do too. I really, I really do too. I do. Um, it should be a lot of fun. I, I'm most looking forward to it. Um, Frank, it's that time of the week, and I know I probably sound like crap. Um, sorry about that to everybody as I'm struggling through the second period here. But um, what's your favorite hockey story of the week? So my favorite hockey story of the week actually has to do with something that took pl- place last night. And no, it doesn't have to do with the Battle of the Connors. Um, but it does have to do with Gary Bettman, who went on the intermission report last night on ESPN and discussed expansions and new arenas. He mentioned the Coyotes getting a new arena. He also mentioned the Washington Capitals on how they have a chance to play one day in Alexandria, Virginia. You know, the conversation has shut has shed some light on a lot of topics we brought up on this show about teams moving Teams coming or team uh, the NHL expanding or whatnot. So we talk about this stuff a lot, and Gary Bettman kind of gave an answer to this, and he basically said nobody's moving. We like where our franchises are. I know there's a rumor about Washington being asked to come to Virginia, which is four miles away from the existing arena. That's all, 
And it may be a great opportunity to have an incredible forward-looking fan experience that new ages and takes care of new technology and new experiences and something that can be very special. Um, Bettman also went on to say that the expansion is not something that they're thinking about right now. They like the 32 teams the way they are. He said, never say never, but right now there's no plans to go through an expansion process, meaning that there'll be 32 teams for quite a long time. Um, but some of the teams may be moving to new arenas, but that's it. We don't have to worry about teams moving their organization and changing names. Cause I know we talk about that a lot. So it was like, we got some light shed on the situation. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a very interesting story. I, I hope Washington doesn't move. Like, I know Let's that sounds crazy. To, uh, West Virginia. But they wouldn't be. They would just move. They're like they're not going to be called the Virginia Capitals. They I know. Capitals, I but know. play in Virginia. Like that to me, that doesn't bother me because like the Jets play in New Jersey, don't they? Yeah, it's not the optics that bother. It's like the people that live close to the rink, and like th- that hockey team is just so embedded in that community, and seeing it stripped out and moved far away would just suck. No, I would I hate think to they see. Said it. it's only like four miles away. Is it really that much? Is it really that small of a difference? That's what Gary Bettman said. Like they would only be moving like four miles away. If that's true, then yeah, I'm okay with it. Like four miles, it's like that's like so close. If that's the truth, then I'm okay with it. Absolutely. But uh, I don't know. I I didn't want to see them move out of that DC area if they didn't have to, but if it's no, not that he, far away, yeah, I guess he, it says we, he said, we like our franchises where they are. I know there's a rumor about Washington being asked to come to Virginia, which is four miles away from their existing arena. That's that like a moving next door. It's not that big of a deal. You still yeah. get the same fans. I get, that's, yeah, that's true. Not a big deal. It's not a big deal. That's fair. That's very fair. I'm not here to argue with that at all. That's, that's a good point. Um, my favorite hockey story of the week has to do with one of our favorite players. I don't know if we've mentioned, we haven't done favorite story in a week in a long time, but I want to talk about Brock Besser. That was my favorite hockey story of the week. He scored a hat trick yesterday and, uh, I'm kind of back in on the Oilers, but I'm not out on the Canucks as a result. Like I'm just adding the Oilers back into the rotation, but I've been watching the Canucks out back in. I'm flip, flip, flip Philadelphia with the Oilers. I'll be out on them if they lose five in a row again. Um, but I'm in on the Canucks for sure, and I've been watching them a lot. Love seeing Brock Besser score. I mean, a hat trick yesterday. Did I tell you about this you guy. You said it. You said it's it, dude. Be his best year. Nope, you said it. I agree. It's going to be his best year, and it certainly is. Um, it certainly is. Um, going to be his best year. I, I hope he breaks thirty goals. I hope he stays healthy. All of a sudden, this albatross contract is looking really nice for them. I hope it sticks. I hope he keeps scoring. It's nice to have lots of talent around him. The One of the goals he scored was our guy Quinton Hughes circling the wagon like the Buffalo Bills around the net, and he passes it up to Besser, and Besser takes an absolute freaking heater, and it blows past the goaltender, and he's got a goal, and he ended up with three on the night. And he's having this outstanding year. He probably deserves to be an all-star. The problem is the all-star games in Toronto, are they going to bring in three Canucks? Because, like, who deserves to make it? Patterson is, like, one of the league's leading scorers. 
Quinton Hughes probably is either first or second Norris Trophy voting with Kale McCarr, who, by the way, is also in the Western Conference. Um, and Somebody's getting the short end of the Brock stick. Besser, yeah, it's probably going to be Besser. They're probably going to bring Peterson and Hughes to the All-Star game. Yeah. So I don't know about it, but damn the Canucks. The, the, the Canucks as a whole are my favorite hockey story of the week, but in specific, I wanted to – you know, give some love to Brock Besser, the Minnesota kid. Just absolutely unreal start to the season, and it's looking more like just a hot start. It's actually looking like Brock Besser's back and is the player that we all thought he'd develop into. And guess who snagged them in fantasy off the waiver? Not you. This guy right here. Not you. Don't lie. I had faith from him from the beginning. Don't lie. That's, that's where we are. That's where we are. Favorite hockey story of the week. Now I, I think it's... Now I think it's time we move on because we have some serious discussion to have in period number three. Welcome to period three. Frank? Football! I got a question before you start. What's that? I want an honest answer. Don't bullshit a bullshitter, all right? Okay. Do you look to make sure it's the right graphic for like third period? Are you like thinking I'm going to mess up and hit second period for the third period? Don't tell me you've never done that before. No. Really? I never even look. You could play a graphic that says, fuck you, asshole, and I would never know. Okay. Why? Did you mess up? No, I never have, but I'm just saying I never thought like you thought like, oh, is he going to throw up the second period on accident? Frank, why would I think that? It's very easy to do, but I haven't done it. But we're not even good. we're not even talking about football yet. So uh, just your agenda, get out. <laughs> get he out. tried calling me during the show again. He knows, like he was part of this. See, last week time. he didn't say football because I mentioned that he might say football, and I'm like, because of that, he might not. I'm in his head. Yes. Yes, you are. Hell yeah. Why don't you call into the show right now, Joey Parisi? If you're listening right now, call my phone. You answer. You'll be on. We'll get your take on your favorite team. He called during the show, show, but then that's it. Then we don't hear from the guy. It's yeah. like I want to hear Joey's take on the 3-10 and 10 New England Patriots who reportedly are not bringing Bill Belichick back after the season's over. They shouldn't bring back Mac Jones either. Poor thing. Oh, they won't. <laughs> no, they absolutely won't. Why would they? They would have to pay him a lot of money because he was like stink. a number. He was a number fifteen pick, so he's owed a lot of money if they pick up his year. Yeah, he stinks. Um, Frank, let's have a very real conversation about the Chicago Bears. I was there on Sunday. I'm it was scared. one of my greatest, my greatest times. I truly enjoyed it. Um, they're good, right? Hey, what do you want to talk about? They've been playing yeah. well. They've been, they have playing, been playing well. Twenty-eight to thirteen. Big win over the Detroit Lions. Playoff team. Playoff team. They're probably going to have well over double-digit wins. Yeah, it's just like, but what's like what's going on with the Bears? Like, I thought for a while we were going to have the first and second pick. They're going to have the first, no doubt. I yeah, I think it's all but so locked bad. with the Patriots win. Yeah, and the, pa- uh, the Panthers are just so bad. Yeah. So they got the first pick, but now it's like, all right, are we even – Gonna have a top two top fives. They have five wins. The Bears, right? Um, yeah, they have. Yeah, but the, if the season ends today, they'd have the fifth overall pick. 
I know, but is it going to stay like that? Are they going to win again? Yeah, yeah, they're not. It's, they're they they might not have a top ten pick. I mean, it's because it's crazy. All the teams with six wins are picks eleven or higher. But I wouldn't say the Bears are good. The Bears would, aren't a good team. I would say they've been good. They've been good overall. They're not a good team, and this doesn't like this doesn't shock me either that they got to win over the Lions VP. It really doesn't. I'm I'm starting to fall a little on the giant or the I keep saying giant, the Lions. I'm starting to fall a little bit on them. Me too. I'm, I'm worried about Jared Goff and and company. Montgomery couldn't get anything going against this former team. It's just I don't want like I don't want to overreact on how the Bears have been playing. That's all I'm gonna say. Like I kind of did with Bajan playing, you know, and then look what happened. It's like. I don't want to get too excited on things because I do think the Bears, the Bears could very well finish five and thirteen, and I wouldn't be surprised. Or no, would it be five and thirteen? Five and twelve? Sorry, five and twelve, and I wouldn't be surprised. I agree. All I'm going to say, I don't know, but I could also see them winning out. Oh, winning out! All right, come on. No, I, I, I love Frank. Their defense has been top ten. They're not beating the Browns. In Cleveland. Okay, and that's the one issue, but you would have never thought they'd beat the Lions. And you might be low on the Lions now. You weren't last week. I know, but it was weird. The Lions were only three. They're like, okay, are the Bears going to win? Because why are the Lions three? They should win by 30. You know what I mean? But it's like, I I, I think we're overacting a little bit on the Bears, VP. We, I don't know the remaining schedule. I'm going to pull it up if you don't know it's it. The 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 I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's the Browns and then it's the Browns and then some bad teams. So... Yeah, they, they got Arizona, Atlanta, Green Bay after. Um, and it's in Green Bay. That could be a big game for the Green Bay. I I just I don't see that. They could beat the Cardinals for sure. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals have been eh lately. Um, if they beat the Browns. It won't be easy either. No, it won't be easy. But if they beat the Browns, I think they could. They could go on a little bit of a. I'm not saying make playoffs or anything like that, but you know, the, when I when I talk about a serious conversation involving the Bears, it really has to do with Justin Fields. And Justin Fields has played okay the last handful of games. They've scored some points, but like, there's also merit to the idea of having a top ten defense and a good quarterback on a rookie deal. That mm-hmm. seems to be a cheat code in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it with a lot of teams. You know, the Colts are playing well with a cheap quarterback and a good defense. The Houston Texans are playing well with a cheap quarterback and a good defense. Um, there are lots of teams that kind of have this situation going on. And I don't know. I football is so maddening to me right now. The Bears could either like put make a push for the playoffs by having a strong finish, or they could go and be have another top five pick like it's crazy to me that it's one or the other if the bears won out do they make playoffs uh well they would be nine and eight do you think that would be good enough um, i'm looking right now i doubt it teams in the wild card spot right now are six and seven mm-hmm. so could be then. one game better so i think it is possible um, whoever wins the AFC so- or the NFC South is going to have a bad record, so you can't go off that. But um, I don't know, dude. I think our lists right now are going to be wildly different 
because of how many seven and six teams there are. I'll see. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams are seven and six. So, and some of them are going to be in our top 10 list. Some of them are not. Mm-hmm. And like, so, and I don't know, do you, you probably view a couple of these seven and six teams as better than some of the eight and five teams, maybe even the nine and four Detroit lions or nine and four Miami dolphins. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, a, a, no team has gone this season without any kind of issue whatsoever. Now, there is one team, and I think they'll probably be number one on your list. There is one team that went through, like, a bad stretch, and they have since, like, really um, gotten out of it. But who you're talking about. And they've gotten out of it in a big way. I think they're number one on my list, huh? Uh, maybe. I don't know. If they're not, I'd like to hear your explanation. Why? I'm not going to argue it. We'll see. But, I'm not saying you're wrong. Well, you're saying, uh, like, you can't say I'm wrong on on that. Like, if I have it and you don't, like, I, I think it's a very... We'll see. Like, there are four teams that could be number one. But you look through last week, and the one of the teams has won three straight. One of them has won five straight. The other has won five straight. And then... The fourth best record lost last week. The fifth best record lost last week. The sixth best record lost last week. The seventh best record lost last week. And the eighth best record lost last week. So one through three, best record in the NFL, all won last week. Four through eight have all um, lost last week. Wait, this past week? This past week. One through three have all won? All won last week. In terms of record, not our rankings. No, I couldn't have because the Eagles lost. Besides the Eagles, because I guess okay, this is this is messed up because um the Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys are in the same division. Yeah. It was just showing the first place teams. But yeah, yeah I get what you're saying. That's why yes. I was confused. That is yes. sorry, that's my mistake. That no, that's my mistake. You're right. The Eagles have the second Jay. best record or the tied for the best record. Jay is chiming in, VP. What does he have to say? He said, I heard on the radio that the Bears can make the playoffs if they win out, and there's another team that has to lose two games. I think it was Minnesota. You're welcome for the knowledge from a true football guy like myself. You know, Joey Parisi low-key does like football. He'll claim till the cows come home that he doesn't. And then you know, when Tom Brady was – we just need JP to find his next Tom Brady is what we need. Like, I don't know it's if it's – It's not Mac Jones. It's not Mac Jones. It is not Mac Jones. It's not Bailey Zappi either. But Frank, I'm actually very interested. To, my I had a hard time making my top ten list this week because almost all of these teams lost. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, who goes where? They lost. Oh, but oh, they lost too. So am I going to have this team? Pat? Like it, it was really tough for me. The top three on my list all lost, all won, and then four, five, six, seven, eight lost or won. No, they all lost. I'm sorry. I'm probably confusing everybody. Noodle brain today. <laughs> one through three, lot one. Four through eight, lost. Nine, one, and ten, one. So there's a lot of losing in my top ten this week, but let's and get I think right. There's a lot in everyone's. Yeah, exactly. That's why I think this week was so hard. And that's why when we get to the end of the season, and we make our last one going into the playoffs, we'll probably name 10 playoff teams 
but I don't think it's going to be. We're not going to have the same ten teams. We're not. You don't I think? Don't so? th- I don't. Not this year. I think in most years we would, but every freaking team in the bubble seven and six. So if they're all in the playoffs, we're going to argue over who's better out of these two. And neither of us are probably going to be proven right because both of these seven and six teams that we're arguing over are going to get blown out in the first round anyway. So, like, we're never going to see it get, you know, proven. So there's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL this season. There are some really, really good teams. And then the teams in the middle kind of suck. Yeah, they kind of do. Even upper middle. Even the upper middle teams have, like, serious issues, whether it be a quarterback's hurt or this defense is struggling or this guy can't catch the ball to save his life, Kansas City. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get to all that. But, Frank, let's get right into it. I know we're we're going long here. Go for your, it. Your number 10 team. You want me to start? You're the one who usually starts. Fine, I'll start. At number you 10. Want me to start, we, could fl- we could switch it up. If yeah, you switch it up. Switch it up, VP, right? That, all right. Number 10, I got the Denver Broncos. Every team on my list ahead of the Denver Broncos, I would choose to win over the Broncos, I think. But they're still continuing their tear in the NFL. After starting 1-5, and five, Sean Payton truly has brought new life into this team. They got a nice win over the Chargers on the road. Now, I know Justin Herbert did get injured and never returned, and he is out for the season. But let's be honest. The way the Chargers and Herbert have been playing all year, it wouldn't have mattered. The Broncos' defense is great, and the Chargers are struggling to score. And while I don't necessarily see the Broncos winning the AFC West division over the Chiefs, they're only one game behind the Chiefs for first place. Things can get interesting down the stretch, and they both have a win over each other, so I don't know who has the tiebreaker. But both have nearly the same strength of schedule to close out the year. And with the Chiefs though struggling the way they are, Denver might take advantage. They've looked strong. We've got some great football ahead for the Denver Broncos. So there's my number 10. Very good. At number 10, I have the Buffalo Bills. The Bills have been removed from my list for a little while now. I call them overrated at the beginning of the season because they were. They were never in my top three. Um, but then they went from being overrated to being underrated. I truly believe that. Um, they've been on a tear. They played well. Josh Allen is still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think when, if all 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL are healthy, I would take Josh Allen third. I wholeheartedly believe I would Love take. To hear that VP. I would take Mahomes first, and I would take Burrow second. And you're seeing with Cincinnati what it's like to not have your guy. I know Jake Browning, good backup, good game. He's been great. Yeah, and you know maybe they will make it. They're not on my top ten list because I do take into account the fact that Joe Burrow isn't there, and I don't necessarily think this is a power ranking more than it is, you know, the standings or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think Buffalo's good, and they've been on a little bit of a run. Big win over the Chiefs. Do I think Patrick Mahomes is a little crybaby? Yes. The Bills deserved to win that game. Kadarius Tony was offsides. There's There's no arguing it. Do 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 I know whether or not referees usually tell offensive players that they're offside before the snap and that kind of like broke code what the referee did? That very well could be. I I kind of believe that to be the case. And the only reason I believe that to be the case is because you never see offensive offsides ever called. Mm-hmm. So there's no way it just never happens. So I do kind of believe that referees normally tell receivers before the ball is snapped, hey, buddy, back up. And they do. And that didn't happen on that play, obviously. But 
I'd almost rather it not happen ever and the game be called the way it should be just because it was a pretty play. And Taylor Swift was super happy to see happy birthday. Taylor was very <laughs> excited to see Travis Kelsey make an all world play. And Kadarius Tony for the first time in his damn life, didn't drop the football just because the play was sick. Doesn't mean you bend the rules for it. It's just not how it works. The Buffalo bills deserved to win that game. They're in my list at number 10, Frank. And guess what? As a poop talker of the Bills earlier in the season, it was only for football-related reasons. I like the Bills. I will jump through a table once in my life. It might paralyze me with my back issues, but like if that's how I go out, that's how I go out. I love the Buffalo Bills. I, I am a huge fan of the Buffalo Bills organization, what they've done, the fans. Love them. Me talking poop on them was not coming from a place of hate. It was just what my eyes told me about football. I wouldn't want to play them in the first round of the playoffs. I'll say it. If they're going up against one of these teams that I have ranked ahead of them, I think I would take Buffalo in a lot of them, including my number nine team, the Cincinnati or the Cleveland Bengals. Excuse, or, oh my God, oh, wow. I I am in big trouble today. I don't know if you, like uh, mush for brain today. The <laughs> Cleveland Browns, I have at number nine. They've just been impressive all season long with very little minimal quarterback play. Right, they're basically Iowa, but maybe even a little better in, in NFL terms. Um, I'm not sure they'll win a playoff game. I told you during, I remember when we were at timeout during the preseason. I said Browns are making the playoffs, and then they had a little bit of a rough start. But I was like, the AFC North is so competitive; it's probably one of the most competitive divisions in football right now. And I love what I'm seeing from the Cleveland Browns. They play well. They play hard. Nasty defense. Like They might be the number one or number two defense in the NFL. And the offense scores just enough to supplement. And I'm excited about it. So, you know, Cleveland Browns, have them at number nine. I like that. I like that. My number nine is the Buffalo Bills. It's about damn time that the Bills are back in my power ranking. Now, the Bills can't win the division, I know that, but they're still very much alive for the playoffs. Why and, can't they win the division? Uh, they, I think it's locked up for Miami, isn't it already? No. Oh, I thought they had the, the mark. They're not, They're 9-4, and four, and the Bills are 7-6. and six. It's two games. There's four left. Uh, I thought for some reason, maybe I was thinking that the Dolphins won and they were three games ahead. It's unlikely. Like Yeah. I wouldn't say they're going to win the division, but you never know. And plus, the Buffalo Bills have one of the hardest schedules to close out the year, but they've looked great in each of their past few games so far. They almost beat the Eagles, and they got a big win in Arrowhead, whereas Josh Allen is undefeated in Arrowhead. He's now 4-0 in his career, which that's just weird to think. Um, The road ahead isn't going to be easy with the Cowboys coming up in the next game, but the Bills will be hosting the Cowboys, so that's a very winnable game right there. Josh Allen and the Bills seem to thrive in these types of moments, and I agree with you. I would not want to play the Bills in a playoff spot. And just when everyone looked right over the Bills, it's like, here they come. Including you because you had eyes. Well, I, they were out of my power ranking, but never once did I change who I think is going to make it to the Super Bowl. I said Bills, Chiefs. I'm sticking with it. I'm riding and dying with it. So, uh, I I want no, no, I, no, I want the Bills to make it. Not Bills Chiefs. Bills Eagles. Well, Eagles. I know that's not that's not possible to happen. Right, right. Man. Bills Eagles. I've never backed away. Let's I still go Bills. Bills are going to the Super Bowl. Come on, Josh. 
Frank, I was anti you saying that all throughout how bad they were in the middle of the season. And now that they've come back and everybody's right, this is a Buffalo Bills podcast starting Good. right now. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Good. Bills. VP's got a brain now. That's um, all right. Number eight. As much as I want to just keep talking about them Bills. Them Bills. Number eight, I got the Detroit Lions. Almost lost to the Bears a couple of weeks ago. And then, with Mr. VP in attendance himself, the Lions finally lost to the Chicago Bears. I'm worried about Jared Goff. I really am. I don't think this team could go very far in the postseason. But the good thing is for the Lions is that the division is just about wrapped up, barring a complete collapse from the team. David Montgomery couldn't get anything going against his former team, and you'd think he would have some fire in his tank to go against his former team. But the best part of the Lions' overall performance in that game and this is going to be a case for many years to come, was Jamar Gibbs. I mean, he is, this kid's some talent. However, if you plan on losing games against teams you should beat, it's going to be hard to win games against teams where you aren't favored and you are a dog and you go on the road to play these great teams in the postseason. Just, they've been falling lately, and they fell to eight on my power ranking. At number eight, it's a team that fell for me too, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, they're close to not even being on at all. They've been not good lately. I know they probably could have, should have won that game on Monday Night Football if Trevor didn't get hurt. But, I mean, a tough, tough loss. They almost came back and won this -hmm. last week, which is what kept them on my power ranking. I do still think they're an outstanding team. But their defense hasn't been quite the same over the last two weeks. And, obviously, this ranking is a a bi-weekly basis. And we base it on what we've seen lately and how we think they would handle things you know, one versus one right now, Jacksonville, they need a little bit more from Trevor Lawrence and they need their defense to get to be where they were a couple weeks ago. I think they could be a Super Bowl team if everything clicks right for them at the exact same time. Um, I, I kind of think all 10 of these teams could be Super Bowl teams, but like only the top four or five are like really likely. But like all 10 of these teams, if everything goes right, they could make it. Same thing with the Jacksonville's no exception. They're on top of their division. They right now... You know, they they have one of the better records in the NFL. So and you know what? They're still very early in their process, too. I kind of view them the way I view the Devils. They're like a good team, a great team with all this talent, but they're still very early in their process. They're going to be here for a long time. And, you know, it might take them two or three years to get that experience needed. You had a big playoff win last year, but you had to come back from down 27 nothing. And then you got smoked by Well, you didn't get smoked by the Chiefs, but I think losing to. Patrick Mahomes at 50% by seven is close to getting smoked. Um, You know, even though they only lost by seven, if Patrick Mahomes was at full strength, the game probably would have been a little bit different. But nonetheless, they still had a close game with the eventual Super Bowl champions. You take that experience into this year where they've been pretty good for most of the year. um, I have them at number eight. At number seven, I have those Detroit Lions who have slipped farther and farther down my list as the season goes along. Frank, I do not think that their division is wrapped up for the Detroit Lions, and I'll tell you why. They have, right now, a two-game lead over the Minnesota Vikings and a three-game lead over the Green Bay Packers. But their remaining schedule, after losing two of their last three to the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears, and they almost lost two to the Chicago Bears, let's not forget, Uh which... Really quick, if the Bears beat Denver 
and didn't blow a 28 to 7 lead against them and if they would have hung on against Detroit they'd be 7 and 6 and in a playoff spot right now and they'd have the same record as these Buffalo Bills and teams that are in our top 10 which is weird to think about uh-huh. um but the Detroit Lions after losing to the Bears on Sunday they play on Saturday against the Denver Broncos then one week later on Sunday Christmas Eve they play the Minnesota Vikings. And then on Saturday, December 30th, they play the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. And then on Sunday, January 7th, they play the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings' destiny is in their own hands if they were to take care of their business against the Detroit Lions and the other games that they play remaining this season and maybe some help from Denver or Dallas, which you could probably assume one of those two games will result in a loss for Detroit, Um, especially Dallas. I mean, they've been absolutely unbelievable. That's why they're seven on my power rankings. I I don't this could be the last time they're on my top ten at all. Wow. Really? I mean, if we come into next time. I mean, and I they, agree with you. They're eight on mine. So. If they lose to Denver and Minnesota in between now and our next ranking, I mean, see, yeah. I, I, I'd put the Steelers I, ahead of them then, probably. You know, some of these teams that I just barely left off, like, like who did I just barely leave off? Green Bay, Indianapolis, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Houston, um, the Bengals, you know, teams like that. I mean, our lists aren't wildly different so far. No. My number, my number seven, Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence returned to action this week, but his performance wasn't good enough as the Jaguars fell to the Browns, thirty-one twenty-seven. You could tell Trevor Lawrence really wasn't himself, but the offense still managed to compile twenty-seven points. The scary part about this team is the defense. The defense has been giving up thirty-plus points like it's nobody's business in the past two weeks, both of which came against backup quarterbacks. So that is something that is out of Trevor Lawrence's hands and something that needs to be cleaned up sooner sooner rather than later. You know, we are going to start to see, or we are starting to see shades of the Jaguars through the first three weeks of the season when they went one and two. I do think that when Trevor Lawrence is 100% healthy, this team shouldn't be taken lightly. But until then, they need to worry about winning the division, which is far from set in stone. And then we'll go from there. Um, Is it? pertains to the the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number six, the Miami Dolphins. The loss to the that the Dolphins endured against the Titans was gut-wrenching. To be up 14 and lose with less than three minutes to go is a thought I still can't really process, to be honest with you. They became only the second team in NFL history to accomplish such a task, and the first time since 2016. I hate how teams play with the lead late in the game. That prevent that prevents yep. defense is something I can't get behind. The Dolphins defense has looked better lately too, only giving up 15 points or less in their previous three games before the Titans. And they were on track to do it again. But you let that stupid prevent defense. This offense isn't nothing without Tyreek Hill. They need Tyreek Hill in the lineup. I think the Dolphins are going to run into a lot of pl- uh, problems come the playoffs. But I do see them potentially winning a game or two, depending on their matchups. 
But, I mean, come on. What's with this prevent defense? You just let the team score? Like, you've been playing great all game. Why change something up in the last three minutes of the game? That's just stupid. I agree. Miami at six. I also have Miami at six. Um, They've been off my top ten for a lot of weeks now, and I put them in after a loss, go figure. But um, I like the way they played the week before, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, they're nine and four. They have they're tied for the second best record in the NFL. And I just can't get behind not having them in my top ten. I moved them all the way up to six. They should have won the game. And I love their coach. And I like the quarterback. And they have weapons and a good defense. Well, an okay defense that's not spectacular, but they have to find a way to close these games. Yeah. I'm not confident they'll be on this list next time, two weeks from now. But you know, with the way their record is and the way they played this season, I had to put them in there. And I agree with you. I do think there could be a situation where they're in the playoffs and they score 40 points and get a playoff win. That doesn't necessarily mean the defense plays well or anything like that, but it just wouldn't shock me with all the weapons that they have with Waddle and, you know, Tyreek Hill, obviously. And Mostart is awesome. Um, I, again, I, I said it. I love the quarterback. Tua Tungavailoa is a better quarterback than anybody gives him credit for. Um, so yeah, I have Miami at six and at number five, I was reluctant, but I put the Kansas city chiefs really hard to have the chiefs off your list, but things have not been going well for the defending super bowl champions as of late. Um, you know, a little bit of bad luck at the end of the game with Kadarius, Tony being 10,000 feet offsides, Patrick Mahomes made an ass of himself. And I think that's why it like speaks volumes to me that I'm saying this about Patrick Mahomes because I I have nothing but respect and love for Patrick Mahomes. He's one of my favorite athletes in all of sports, but he acted like a buffoon after the game, going up to Josh Allen. That was a shit call, and Josh Allen's just like, the fuck? All right, dude, stay healthy the rest of the season. Hope, hope, hope good luck the rest of the way. You know, like, it's just not – it wasn't cool, and Mahomes is not usually like that. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that that was just him acting uncharacteristically at the wrong time. But, you know, it wasn't a good look. He was offside. That was a good call. I'm sorry that you're mad about it. I'm sorry it screwed over your team. Um, they they need to be better. And that's just the bottom line. I don't know if it's the Matt Nagy offense that is just really hindering them right now. It very well could be. Yeah. You know, wherever Matt Nagy goes, it seems to turn to dust. But, you know, it's not great, but they're they're still the Kansas City Chiefs. They still have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and I think they're dangerous in a playoff game if that's the case. I totally agree. It's funny that you thought our list would be wildly different because of all the 7-6 and teams, but my number five is the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, despite all the struggles that we have seen the Chiefs go through this year, they still remain in the top five for me. I don't know for how much longer, but that depends on how the remainder of the season goes. I don't like – I didn't like that outburst from Patrick Mahomes that he threw on Sunday night during their loss. So the offside call was a correct call. Andy Reid finally owned up to it, saying it's Tony's responsibility to check with the line judge to make sure he's offsides. It felt like the outburst from Reid and Mahomes – was a way to let out all the anger, maybe, that has been built up this season due to their lack of play. I don't know. But losing to the Bills the way the Bills have been playing at home isn't the worst possible loss to face. Obviously, you want to beat them because the Bills have stunk lately. But, you know, it just felt like the game the Chiefs needed to win to silence all the doubters. 
the Bills and Josh Allen look decent. And, you know, thanks to the thanks to the Chiefs, the Bills are now in my top 10. So thank you, Chiefs. Thanks for your sacrifice. I appreciate it. You sit at number five. Thank we'll you for your, thank you for your sacrifice, Chiefs. Frank, a little bit of breaking news before I reveal my well, I gotta do my four. number four after your breaking news. Bro. Oh, you still do it. Okay, that's right. Sorry. Um Super Bowl in twenty twenty seven was just unanimously awarded to SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. So the next four Super Bowls go um Alla Giant Stadium in Las Vegas, Superdome in New Orleans, Stadium uh Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California. SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. So that's what two in uh, Los Angeles. Um, and like, yes, because what was last year or the year before? So it's like two relatively soon. Yes. Um. All right. Well, that's that's pretty good news. I appreciate that. Um. I'm gonna do my number four. My number four is the Philadelphia Eagles. The number one team on my list for many weeks now have quickly fallen to number four. I don't know if I saw this coming, but the Eagles offense has become flat as of late. After starting 10-1, and one, the Eagles have lost back-to-back -back games for the first time all season. Both these losses that have come over the past two weeks have come against some of the best teams in the NFL. I will say that. However, if you want to be the best, you're going to have to beat the best. That is the name of the game and just how sports work. I'm a little concerned, though that they have only scored 31 points over the last two weeks after scoring 30-plus points almost every week at will. But I do think come playoffs, this will be a different-looking team. I expect them to rebound hard upcoming against the Seattle Seahawks. Then they play the Giants twice in the last four weeks and the Cardinals. So there's a lot of rebounding to be had here. I do think the Eagles will rebound in a big way. So Eagles drop from one to four on my list. They're number four on my list as well. I have the Eagles sitting Great. at number four. Um, yeah, I guess that's we we nailed the bottom. So the top <laughs> is going to be obviously pretty similar. Yeah, you have Denver and I have Cleveland. Yep. Because um, you're a Cleveland hater, they could be ten and ten and two if I could be like I think they're like the twelve. Um, <laughs> number four, Philly. They've been struggling a little bit lately, and I think I think they get a little bit less benefit of the doubt than most teams who started the season ten and zero or whatever it was, and that's because it wasn't ten and zero. What, what did they start like eight and zero, something like that? The cheat or the, uh, Eagles? the Eagles? They started. They, no, were they had a loss early, I think. Right? Didn't they lose to the Commanders? Did they? Maybe I'm thinking of. Uh, not so, early, but like six and one, maybe seven. Yeah, and one. yeah. But a lot of their wins and a lot of their wins were like grimy, hardworking wins. And for some reason, people don't love those in the regular season, no matter the opponent. I, I think, I think they're good for you when the playoffs start. But um, I, I'm not as high on Philly as I was a couple of weeks ago. I, I still think they can win the Super Bowl. Right, oh, like they have 100%. all world players all over the field. But right now. Following week fourteen, it's hard to have them anywhere other than four. I don't. I think they're better than Kansas City, Miami, Detroit, Jacksonville. I have them ahead of them all right now. And another thing, their loss came to the team that I have at number three, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, this is the first time the Cowboys have ever been this high on my list. Um, I'm not going to be chanted "Weed them boys" or anything like that, 
thinking that this team is going to be any different than the Dallas Cowboys of the past who always look really good. I do think this is the best Cowboys team I've seen in my life. Now, do I think they could have the same result as every other Cowboys team in my life? Yes. But this is the highest regard I've held the Cowboys in entering week 15 since I've been watching football. I wholeheartedly believe that. I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, I, I like to talk my junk. They had a lot of wins over stinky teams early in the season, and I held that against them. Well, they blew the doors off the Eagles. Okay, and if blowing the doors off the Eagles on primetime football doesn't get your heart beat going for the Dallas Cowboys, I don't know what will. Then you're just a hater, right? And I'm very much a hater because I hate their fan base, but I like the team. They're, they're, they're just playing well, and they they could be argued as the best team in the NFL right now, but so can number two and number one on my list. So right now I have Dallas and number three. It was uh, they'd lost week six, the Eagles, Got not it. to the Commanders, to the Jets. Um, they almost lost to the Commanders both times they played them. It was a very close game, but it was the Jets. I remember that. That's yeah. right. I, I remember saying to you, yeah, the Eagles, because it was before they lost two in a row. Yeah, the Eagles have one loss. Guess who it was two? The freaking Jets. The Jets beat the Bills, the Eagles. They had some pretty impressive wins. It yep. just kind of stink as a whole. But yep. anyway, our lists continue all the same, VP, with the Dallas Cowboys at number three on my list. They picked up their first big win of the season. They're the only team in the NFL remaining that is undefeated at home, which not a shocker because they could really only play at home. That's their biggest benefit. But. This was their toughest test this year, and they fully took advantage of it. And I got to admit, I like what I see out of the Dallas Cowboys. But they have been so dominant at home that it scares me a little bit. Um, the good news is that if they win the number one seed in the NFC, they won't have to worry about playing on the road until the Super Bowl. But for right now, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. You know I'm not that high on the Dallas Cowboys, but you know if I use my own eyes and my own brain, I got them at number three. I just got to call it what it is. They've been playing great. They've been one of the best teams in the league. I got the Dallas Cowboys at number three. My number two, VP's like, who's he going to put at number two? Did he call me wrong but actually put them at number one? My number two is the San Francisco 49ers. The San Francisco 49ers have moved up and down my list all year, and they're locked in at number two at this moment. A lot of people might have them at number one. But their defense to me seemed a little suspicious against the backup quarterback, Drew Locke, and the Seattle Seahawks. Def the defense is one of the biggest factors when it comes to the 49ers. Brock Purdy could win a Super Bowl with this team, the team that he's given, absolutely. But it all relies on the defense. In games that the 49ers give up 20 or more points this season, they are 1-2. and two. It's like you hit a point you just falter. This means that it's crucial for the opposing team to score more than 20 points if they want to win the game. This isn't easy by any means. I'm not saying, like, yeah, it's easy. We just got to score 20 points. Um, but, you know, 20, like I said, yeah, 20 isn't easy. It sounds, it sounds maybe it is easy, but against this defense, it's very hard. They held the Cowboys and the Eagles to both under 20 points this season. So that's how hard it is. Two of the most dynamic offensives in the game they held to less than 20 points this season, um, which is why they're ahead of both on my list. But I couldn't make them number one because I think this defense could crack come playoffs against a really great team, perhaps maybe like my number one. Understood. I understand. And really quick on Dallas, 
isn't that kind of the key to having the number one seed though in the NFL is like dominate at home and then play above average on the road? That's exactly what they've done. They still only yeah. have they still only have three losses on the road. They're yeah. undefeated at home, but what are they on the at home on the road? Five and three. Yeah, it's still great. Like, it's yeah, so like I don't know. And the remaining schedule, if their remaining schedule is this, and if they win out. Or go three and one. I, I hope think, the Bills beat them so bad. I think I'd put them one by the end of the year if they win out. It's the Bills, the Dolphins, the Lions, and then Washington. Very three, tough. Three of that. those four are but against, Washington could be tough because it's a division game. Ex- that's exactly what I was gonna say. It's three 10 win teams and then a division rival. So absolutely, I agree with that. My number two, I put the Baltimore Ravens number two. Um, Lamar is impossible to play against when you're the road team. When they're in Baltimore, it might be one of the most aggressive home field advantages in the NFL. I think because their offense is so dynamic and it's so reliant on him. Um, and he finally has good receivers for the first time in his career. The defense is awesome. Love the coach. Um, I think the Ravens are a really good team and I can't wait to watch them in the playoffs. I hope we get at least one, um, divisional matchup between the Ravens and the playoffs. I'm not sure. It might have to be Cleveland or Pittsburgh. I, I'm not sure it's going to be the Bengals. I also would love to see the Ravens play against either Kansas City, Miami, or Buffalo in the playoffs at some point. I know I'm basically they're going to get one of those teams. I just can't wait for it. Um, I think it's going to be super exciting. They could easily be one I put them at two. And the reason I put them at two is because I put the San Francisco 49ers at number one. Um, the reason I put them at number one is just because you know, they've been the best team in the league, in my opinion, for the entire season. They've won five in a row. Um, they won eight in a row. Then they lost three in a row. And then they won five in a row. And during their three-game losing streak, something just didn't feel right with them. Brock Purdy wasn't playing well. He was hurt for some of it. And, you know, they've dealt with some injuries during that little stretch. But now that they're healthy and they look like they're just getting hot at the right time, that's why I have them at number one. It's just because they're on a little bit more of a roll. Winning five in a row, again, this is their second five-game winning yeah. streak this season. Um, and they got it up to eight the first time. Well, they get it up to eight the rest of the season. You look at the remainder of their schedule, and they got Arizona. They should beat them. Then they have this decisive Monday night football game on Christmas Day during the evening, 7-15 start between the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. That could be a Christmas Day Super Bowl preview. It's a Christmas Day matchup between our number one and number two teams. I'm very much looking forward to that. And then on New Year's Eve, they play the Washington Commanders. And then on January 7th, they play the Los Angeles Rams. They could easily go three and one in that stretch. They could easily go four and oh in that stretch. It all kind of depends, in my opinion, on how the game goes between them and the Baltimore Ravens. I think that's a pick em. I really, really do. I'm really looking that, forward to that game. Me too, dude. On Christmas Day, at I on Christmas Day. We don't normally get Christmas Day football. It depends on what day of the week it is. What day is it this year? It's a Sunday. Oh. Or no, it's a Monday. It's a Monday. Excuse me. It's a Monday. They should just do it any day. Right? Well, like, I mean, NFL like Christmas fo- is like on a Tuesday. Let's do it. There's Let's a good. Roll. There's a good chance there's football on Christmas. At least one game, like unless it's Tuesday or next Wednesday, year it's Wednesday. Then there probably won't. Be a game. There probably won't be a game. 
That's the only. I think Tuesday and Wednesday are the only circumstance where there won't I, be. I say let's roll the dice. Let's do it. I would love it. I, the problem is off. It's hard with like the yeah yeah. Like you you can you can find a way to have a team play on Friday. Um, I don't think you could really find a way to have a team play on Tuesday or Wednesday. I think that's just way too hard. I just think the, it's hard with then like well, but not necessarily because I was thinking it'd be too hard because of rest that the players would need from yeah Monday. that's that's exactly what i'm thinking but if they play if wednesday starts the week and they'd play the sunday after you got like a week and a half off i'm thinking from west rest the week before though uh, if you're playing on wednesday and your last game was on sunday yeah the only way it would have to go it would have to be one of the teams that played on thursday night football the week before yeah because then you had like six days rest but only one they wouldn't have the same matchup on Thursday night football the week before right like on Christmas a week later they wouldn't have the same two teams so right. I, I right. do I do think it's very very hard to get it on Tuesday or when the only way I could think of on Tuesday is if you delayed the Monday night football game from the week prior and had that be the game on Tuesday you might remember there was a game on Tuesday during the covid season um, when the 49ers had like three guys get COVID, they pushed it back a day yeah. and they played on Tuesday. That's the only way you have no Monday night football game. Instead, you have a Tuesday night football game. And that is the conclusion of week mm -hmm. 16 or whatever it is. That to me is the only way you get it. On right. I think Wednesday's just Wednesday's Wednesday's hard. It's really hard to think of like a good, but you never know. The NFL might try to find a way if they can get it to be collectively bargained, but you know, that's Christmas football. I'd love to hear your explanation of what I presume to be a purple team being your number one. My number one is the Baltimore Ravens. They're finally number one on my list, and then they're gone from everybody else's number one. It's like, hey, I joined the party. Let's. Uh, I'm ready to. I'm ready to dance. I mean, I have them number dance. two. I have them at number two barely. So, like, get off my case. They had a little bit of a scare this week against the Rams. Not gonna lie. The Rams. The Rams the Rams played the Ravens tough, and it took a punt return in OT to, to secure the win for the Ravens. Their streak of leading every game heading into the fourth quarter was broken. Trailed 22-20 to 20 heading into the fourth quarter. But they fought back to take the lead and eventually won it in overtime. So, you know, it's going to be a tough couple of weeks ahead for the Baltimore Ravens as they will have to end the season with teams like the Jaguars, the 49ers, the Dolphins, all teams that are in our top 10 power rankings. That's going to be tough, but I think I would take them against any team in the NFL at this given moment. Lamar Jackson and the offense is so much fun and so dynamic, and because I feel that way, if I had to choose who would win over like them and the 49ers, I'd choose the Ravens. They'd have to be number one on my power ranking. Fair. So that's we'll, we'll have We'll have the answer to that next time we do our top ten. Yeah. Because they will have played. And then that's like clear cut. Yeah. Oh yeah. Unless both teams lose this week, then there's like other teams that could get involved. Like we could bump up Dallas. You here? Yeah, I'm here. You like stop for a sec. I You're was good. saying. I was saying by then though, if they both lose next week before their matchup, then other teams could get in the mix too, like Dallas, Philly, Kansas City, Miami. Just hope so they don't. Then. Yeah, basically, because I want them to be number one and number two on both of our power rankings heading into that game. Now, I I was at the Bears game during their game against the uh, uh, Rams, talking mm -hmm. about the Ravens, and I saw it was 2020, and then 
it was twenty two to twenty or something like that. Am I remembering that correctly? That was the final score. No, no, no. It went to overtime. Yeah, it went to overtime. Um, when it was 22-20, I was kind of rooting for the Rams to hang on and win. I would rather see the Ravens win the it's Super 20. Bowl than the – are you here? Hello? Are You're you like here? lagging. You're I'm lagging. Sorry. Am I here now, though? Yeah. I would rather see the Ravens – like, I wanted the Rams to win that game. But I would rather see the Ravens win the Super Bowl than the Rams. I like the Ravens more than the Rams. But the reason I was rooting for the Rams to win that game is I want them to get in. As the number seven, no, the number six. I know what you're going to say. And I want them to play the Detroit Lions in the first round. And I want Matthew Stafford to go to Detroit and beat them in a playoff game. That would make me so happy. That would would make me unequivocally. He's a Hall of Famer already. Put him in right now. First active Hall of Famer. If he were to do that, that would be so cool. But. Baltimore Ravens showed everybody who boss. I can't tell if it's me or Frankie. Okay, so it's Frankie. Who's missing? So apparently I'm still here and everybody can hear me. Um, if somebody who's watching could put in the chat that they can hear me, that would be completely wonderful. But yes, it is just me, I believe. Um, Frankie texted me that he's his computer froze. So that's hilarious. Well, I'm the one who's been having problems um, all episode. So I thought it was me right there, but evidently it's not. Um, we'll wait to get Frankie back in. But, you know, the next thing that we were going to talk about following. Um, talking about following the NFL is we were going to talk about Shohei Otani's contract. Um, He is going to get a long-term deal worth a lot of money, right? And this is one of these things where he's getting a contract worth $700 million um 700 million dollars for 10 years and 10 years is a long time to give a guy a contract for um they they need to get this guy all the talent around him that they possibly can they have mookie betts they have um freddie freeman they have you know all sorts of great talent around them and now they're going to trade for a guy like Tyler Glasnow and all sorts of you know interesting options are available for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm really really excited that they were able to um bring in a guy like Shohei Otani. There are a lot of people who are upset about this news, right? They're out there upset because this is a marquee franchise and you know able to you know bring in a guy like Otani. They have all these top prospects and they were unable to, you know, or he was unable to sign in with another team. And, you know, the Cubs were trying to get him 
and the Toronto Blue Jays were close, but the Toronto Blue Jays were never actually close. They were a pawn in the situation, and that allowed the Dodgers to kind of like use them as a pawn and make it seem like, you know, they were leaking stuff out to the public, and he eventually just settled with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, the fun thing about this Shohei Otani contract is the fact that they are deferring $680 million of the $700 million to after his playing career is over. And they are going to pay him $2 million a year, meaning he'll make $20 million over the 10 years. And he's only making $2 million a year. Now, every team in the league that he was talking with was presented this opportunity he wanted to do this deal with a lot of teams, and he ended up getting it done with the Dodgers. Now that $680 million is going to be broken up over you know the 10 years that follow the end of his contract with the Dodgers, and they, they are able to afford such a contract. And the MLB had to approve it by being like, okay, the money is there. The money is ready for Shohei Otani to... You know, when he's retired, we will have $68 million a year or whatever it is to pass along to him once a year for the 10 years that follow. And it's basically going to be like Bobby Bonilla Day, except instead of Bobby Bonilla getting $1 million, Otani's going to get like $60 million. Um, it's just an absolute crazy thing. Um, I really hope that they're able to win a World Series with Shohei Otani. And, you know, this is something that needs to be taken advantage of. And I don't know if anybody notices Frankie Mueller is not here and we're trying to um, get him back. Um, Frankie lost his connection. So Frankie, he, he can't be added without a host, but he's the host and he needs his laptop. So this is absolutely insane territory right now. Um, I'm sitting here with nothing and all these people watching. This is crazy. Um, but, you know, we'll talk through it for now. We're talking about Otani. If anybody's got something in the chat that they want to talk about while we figure out how to take care of this, this is kind of a deal. Um yeah, we'll figure it out, though. Well, we, we always do. Um, Frankie's whole screen on his computer went back. Um, yeah, this is insane. Aldo, he saved the day. Oh, my God, Aldo, you saved the day. Holy crap. I was sitting here freaking out like, I really don't know what to do. Can you add, <laughs> can you add Frankie back from his phone? Yeah, he there yeah. he is. There he is. Aldo saved the day. Oh my god! For the Aldo, you know I'm really not. I really don't ever have issues talking. But we were at the end of our show. We finished <laughs> right there, and we were about to get into breaking bets. And Frankie's computer went black. Look at this. Oh my god, that's a and brand he, new computer. And, and on well, his no, phone, it's not brand new, but. 
And on his phone, he didn't have the permissions to let himself back in. So I'm sitting here like, oh, well, I guess I'm just going to talk about Shohei Otani for 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> we figure this out. I so have I don't no know idea what to do. That's unbelievable. That's well, so funny. I, I was editing for uh, tonight's show, uh, Buffalo 55, and do a preview of, of the upcoming opponent. So I was editing that. All of a sudden, I see this me- message from you. And I go, let me jump on there right away. <laughs> <laughs> Aldo, you saved the day. I don't know what, like, I don't even know what I would have done. Like, we were done with our show. I, I have no problem talking. But we have all these <laughs> topics, and we've gone through them all. We've been live for two hours and 30 minutes. That's and I'm just like, I have nothing left in the tank. Like, I'm just sitting here waiting for Frankie <laughs> to do breaking bets. So, like, guys, do we have time to get into breaking bets? Like, can we play that graphic and do it? Like, I'll, I, don't I don't have my where... picks. They're on my computer. Oh, make some oh. up. <laughs> I will, but I just. No, that's fine. We, Frank, you want to you wanna push breaking bets to the following week? That'd be totally okay with me. I mean, I, I understand. could try. I could try my best. All right, mm-hmm. well. Then let's get into America's favorite podcast segment of the week. It is. Where's my money, bitch? The show fucking stinks. (laughs) This show absolutely stinks. We are bad at it. We are grateful for anybody that watches, but Frank. From your under chin, give us your Undertaker. <laughs> this is so weird. Give us your Undertaker picks. I want to know what's going on with my computer. It just crapped up. That shit's like... that shit's broken. I ne- hope not. Ne- next year, next week shows more in jeopardy than this week's show because uh, yeah. Aldo came to save the day. Big P, you're telling me, and I'm like, I'm hoping it just comes back, but. There's a chance it does. Did you plug it in? Is it plugged in? Yeah, it's plugged in. Try unplug it. Did you try turning it off and back on again? (laughs) It was a little hesitant to turn off, and I'm like scared to turn it off. Oh well, turn it off. What's the worst that can happen? Because the last time this something like this happened with my last laptop, and I turned it off, it just never came back on. Uh oh. But at this point, what I see now. You're gonna to have to do that. You hit Control Alt Delete. I did, and it wouldn't. It was frozen. I did. Ooh. It wouldn't even let me do that. Mmm. I think the Russians have invaded the your computer. <laughs> it's because I made the the comment that technology. I was one zero against technology earlier in the show. Yeah, and Putin's pissed off that we we haven't said anything nice about Evgeny Malkin or Alexander Ovechkin in a while. Exactly. <laughs> well, Frank, you're rattled. You don't have your bets available. Don't even lie. I, d- I don't have my bets available, but I will try my best to remember what they were. All right. So, lay it on us. My first pick, I like, well, you know, I got to dabble with uh, football tomorrow, Thursday night football. I got it. Football. So my first pick is between the Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. I like the Las Vegas Raiders in this uh, in this case scenario money line. I believe it was like minus one fifty five. See, I don't even have that because I had that written down, and I believe I'd like to bet to win two units on this because first of all, the Los Angeles Chargers they're running with Eric Stick. Justin Herbert's out for the season. Easton Stick. Easton Stick. Get it right. His name is. He's literally Eric. the name of a hockey stick. Easton Stick. Easton Stick. 
something's going on with my computer. Sorry that I'm interrupting. This is the most messed up. We got to the Control-Alt-Delete stage of it, finally, after 10 minutes. But I'm just going to keep rolling because that's what we do on this show. We improvise. I like the Las Vegas Raiders to win this game. Easton Sticks quarterbacking. Even with Justin Herbert quarterbacking, they have been able to do jack shit the past few weeks. They've looked terrible all, all season. So, I like the Las Vegas Raiders to win. Moneyline, minus 155. Bet to win two units on that one. My second pick, I got to dabble in the NHL VP. You're not going to be too happy about this one. It has to do with the New Jersey Get out! Devils. Get out of here! I hope your computer dies. It has to do with the New Jersey Devils and the Boston Bruins. Hold on a second. We have life. The screen isn't black. So. Right when you start talking about the Devils fucking losing. If that's okay to you, I might want to get back on my computer and do this the right way. If it works, give give your uh, you got to give your Devils Bruins thing while you're here, though. I will, because I could access. Can I access what my thing was? I don't know. My Devils Bruins pick is. It's very. I don't know what the line. I believe I had the Bruins minus one hundred five written down. And to get the Bruins at this price, as having like the second most points in the NHL, it's very rare that that ever happens. Now listen. Hold on, VP. I really want to read what I had written down. I understand. So if you just give me a second, I'm hoping and praying this would be so much smoother. As long as I could get it. Okay, I have it up, so I don't care about. Come on, scroll down a little bit more. This is painful, VP. Uh-oh. You know, I'm looking on DraftKings right now while you're waiting for that to load. The Bruins are underdogs now. Are they plus? They are plus 105 against the New Jersey Devils. Okay. We're back. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Actually, that Raiders pick, sorry. Let me go back to the Raiders pick, doing this right. It's my biggest play of the show. I got bet to win four units on the Raiders' money line. Justin Herbert's been ruled out for the season with his finger injury, like I said. Uh, But, yeah, it's four units. uh, Raiders' money line minus 155. Now, the New Jersey Devils. And the Boston Bruins. Boston Bruins are at the New Jersey Devils. This is too good of a value to pass up on, on the Boston Bruins. Listen, I know the Devils have looked better lately, but it's very rare that you get a team. Understatement. It's very rare that you get a team that has the second most points in the NHL at this price. For good reason. It's nothing against the New Jersey Devils, but this is just a a price you can't pass up on, GP. The Bruins have kind of owned the head-to-head lately, too. I hate to break it to you. I'm oh, sure, you're, I, well, trust I'm sure me, I... you're well aware of it. Winning their last six regular season meetings dating back to 2021. And I'm kind of expecting this trend to continue. So I like the Boston Bruins money line. Your pick stinks. And what you what did you say? I had it at minus 105, but they're even more of a dog now. So hop on it even more. Bet to win two units on that burger. Where were they? Do you have it up? Ready? It's plus 105 for the Bruins. The Devils are minus 125. Okay. Whoops. Are we back, baby? We're back. Did you see me? 
Oh, now, oh, you're, now on you're on twice. On. There you are. Oh, this oh. is good. And now Frankie's just really messing with the whole thing. We finally had it back. And Frankie, now he's muted. Now he's muted. We can't hear him. The face is super zoomed in. You better get your... I'm so sorry. Although I feel so bad of everything that's going on. This is <laughs> unbelievable. We said, Aldo, Aldo, I think you complimented me on this one time. I recognize our show stinks. Oh my! And I know, I know the people who we are very appreciative of the people who watch this program. Last year, last week, Frankie had off the ice technical difficulties. This week, he has on the ice technical difficulties. I got snot blowing out of my nose every five seconds now. This show stinks, and we are very thankful to be able to do it, though. That's that's what makes part of the show so awesome is that you guys are authentic and when you have problems, you talk about it openly. I've seen so many times people are trying to hide the fact, you know, that they got snots coming out or the computer blew up or something like that. You guys are authentic, always telling it like it is. Love you guys. And if you need anything at all from me, let me know, guy. Okay? Okay. I don't know why I'm so zoomed in. If you know why that's a thing, I don't know why I'm zoomed make- in. Make sure you listen to all of Aldo's shows here on the Barroom Network. Tonight, Buffon 55 and then um, Mac and Reed at 6 o'clock. So we got two football shows on tonight. Hopefully you can enjoy it. And, Frank, uh, you're zoomed in only because you're such an attractive guy the camera can't get enough of you. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and like, like you said, Good well, answer. I have to be authentic because if these people think that I'm perfect 365 days out of the year, I got some bad news for you. I got some terrible news for you. <laughs> we all have a bad day here and there. Wednesday is going to be Frankie's 13th reason why, though. Freaking the, the the last couple of weeks, Frankie on Wednesdays have I'm just nervous. been. Ooh. I'm nervous. Ooh, like, I, I don't know what's been going on, but anyway, I got one more pick. All right, I'll be listening. Take care, Thank fellas. Thank you, Aldo. Thank you, Aldo. Bye bye. My last pick. It has to do with the Denver Broncos at the Detroit Lions on Sunday. The Denver Broncos are getting five and a half points at minus one twenty. I like the Denver Broncos in five and a half against the Detroit Lions on the road. Bet to win two units here. Is this a trap game? Because, like, why are the Lions favored by five points after how good the Broncos have been and how poorly the Lions have looked against the Chicago Bears? The Broncos have looked great lately, and they haven't lost a game by more than five points since week six of the regular season. They are one of the hottest teams in the league at the moment, and I'll gladly take the five and a half points, even if I'm being trapped a little bit. If it goes down to five on like DraftKings or whatever, up it to five and a half. Take the hook and don't get burned by not having it. I like the Denver Broncos plus five and a half points at minus 120. And that concludes breaking bets and one of the weirdest ends to a show we probably ever had and ever will have. Absolutely. And you know what, though? I love this show. I love Aldo nailed it. I love that that about it. What do you think I'm going to lie to you about any technical difficulties? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Like, no, we know what happened. Uh, If if we're under the weather or if our computers break, we tell it like it is. That happens to everybody. And if you act like it doesn't, shame Mm -hmm. on you. Frank, I hope all your picks do well, except for the devil's one. Um, I can't believe that you don't think that the Devils are going to smoke the Bruins today. Wow. A home game. The Bruins don't have McAvoy. They don't have Zaka. I mean, it's just a, uh, it's going to be tough for the Bees against this Devils team. 
that feels good about Jack Hughes back home after a four game roadie out west, a little couple extra days off. Ooh, 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 no, no McAvoy. Who's going to defend Jack Hughes? I don't know, VP. And <laughs> man, I'm very concerned on why my camera's so zoomed in. You turned on me, bro. Well, you're going to have to get your camera fixed. On that note, though, I can't thank everybody enough who stuck around with us during this monstrosity of an ending. But all the people that chimed in throughout the show, it has been an absolute treat. I love talking hockey and football and baseball with you each and every day. I went over Shohei Otani. Crosstown Crosstalk, probably not tomorrow. I don't know what's going to be the case with that show, but we'll get it all squared away, and we will have plenty of Shohei Otani conversation as the weeks go on. And I'm very excited to see how the rest of the baseball offseason goes now that the big fish is off the market. Frank, do you have anything you want to say before you finally are able to figure your Dude, technology just really wants to bone me. That's all I'm saying is, like, we have bad beef, but I will win in the end if it's the last thing I do. Frankie, I, to save this show and this and and humanity, I will win. Frankie will absolutely save the show, even if you could see every little imperfection in his beard with his face completely zoomed in right now. Oh, you got a little, a little spot right here, but Dude, so what do the I. Hell is I have going a spot. On? I have a spot here from when I had I hit my chin, so and my beard like, just won't grow there. And then there were two of me. And then, like, I couldn't even – I joined the show, but I couldn't even be added, so Aldo had to come in. This was, like, one of the weirdest things. Credit to Aldo, by the way. Credit to Aldo. Thank you, Give Aldo. Aldo, a round of applause. Love Aldo. The great barkeeper, the great leader. We'd be nothing without Aldo. Love Aldo. He saved the day. He's basically Iron Man. Um, we love that man with all of our hearts. And, Frank, before your shit explodes again and you'll have plenty <laughs> of time to figure it out by next week, I can't thank everybody enough for watching. And, as always, Thank you for listening.